Houston, Houston Annapolis Center, do you have any test operations restricted area 2508? Area 31, Roger. Traffic is quite luminous and is exhibiting some non-ballistic motion, over. Roger, Aries 31. Continue to send at your discretion, over. Okay, Center. The traffic is approaching head-on, ultra right, and really moving. They're right by us, right now. There are a thousand UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. military has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies them as unusual airborne anomalies, but a better term is X-Files. Join us now as Mac Wanwan and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that baffle even the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. But first, let me introduce you to the members of the Posse Girls. Get ready. Sit yourselves down. Get your fan. Get your mister. Get your big box of Kleenex, your big box of wipes, your squeegee, and your lube because he's here, the very famous Juan Juan. Juanie. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. It's always a pleasure. That's a really long I introduction. To, I look forward to the show all week. I know that, but that's a really long introduction. Would you do it every night? You know? that you, would you do it every day? Let's start again. Would you do a show every day? Would you do a show five days if a I was week? In the, if I was in a similar time zone and not, you know, like, Five hours uh, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be better. Yeah. yeah but then I'd do it. That's a no. Okay. That was, that was back in the USA, which uh, I, I could be happening this year. Cool. That's good. We need yeah. people like you <laughs> to go out drinking with, if nothing else. So. I've, had, I've had calls from customers saying, when are you coming back? Have you, you really? Yeah, good you know, for you. Hmm. We're, we haven't really made hard and fast plans, but uh, we, we want to do it. So we're hoping it's by the end of the year. Yes, yes. Well, that's good. The, the end of the year is coming quick there, my friend. Believe me. I know. So, anyway, um, also with us is our national correspondent, Switchblade, Steve Ward. Switchy. Hey, it's great to be here tonight. Uh, good to see you, Switch. Good to see you, too. Thanks. Good to yeah. see everybody. Good to see anybody. Good to be seen, actually. Good, good to be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, I don't want to be the one to pull the pin out of the hand grenade. But he has no pot tonight. He has no pot in his hair tonight. A week That's ago. Normally, is if it's short enough, I don't have to worry about it. Right there is there is no pot there, but it is it's a good cut though. But, and, and you know, I, it's not like I ever had a a Cary Grant steam pressed part. <laughs> I mean, that guy was chased through a cornfield, shot at. He still yeah. got a little dirty, but his hair wasn't messed up at all. Not at all. <laughs> I just not want a, to point out not a single. Uh, Follicle got disturbed. Right. No, no, of course not. But listen, he's Cary Grant for Christ's sakes. But before uh, Club comes on, I just got to say, I'm going to be the one to point it out. A week ago, his pot was so symmetrical, we said before, it looked like a bullet grazed him. Okay, it was so straight <laughs> and, and noticeable. Now, it looks like he has a whiffle or something. I don't know. I'm with you, Club. Um, I think that something's up. Well, the bullet wound healed. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Okay. We got a feeling what it today saying. You've been hurrying switches. What did he have for breakfast segment? Please don't hurry it anymore. 
<laughs> Sign switch. Sign switch. <laughs> <laughs> that voice you hear is uh, Security Chief Willie Club. Willie, how you doing? You know, Mac, I'm feeling real good tonight and uh, looking forward to the show and yep. be here now with someone who compares themselves. You know, to a movie star. Yes. It's amazing. Yep. Harry Three minutes Grant, in. Huh? I don't see it, but uh, maybe maybe it's somewhere there. Maybe it's uh, memory. No, no. I wasn't comparing myself to Cary no, Grant. All right. If I had the opportunity, I would have said Clint Eastwood. Oh, no, you, you don't have the height okay. for Clint, but. Yeah, yeah, make my day, pal. <laughs> yeah, Cary Grant, you know, you got the height for him, but. Yeah, he's a little guy. No, hmm. I don't see it, but I, I could be wrong. I, well, I know. you know, as he says, it might be in there some way, Switch. We don't know. Also with us, uh, calling in from a remote location. I can hear his bees in the background. Can you hear them? It's uh, Uncle Al the Kitty's pal. Uncle Al. No, wait a second. I better not. Let me hang on. (laughs) (laughs) It's UFO mechanic Al Ronaldo. Al, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mac. Uh, you, you probably hear my pellet stove in the background. Oh, is that why we mistook it for the bees? Yeah, interesting. Nope, I don't hear it. Okay, well, okay. it's a problem. I can close the door. Yeah, if you hear a boom, it's a problem. Other than that, <laughs> why do you have a pellet stove on? It's, it's, it's like 60 degrees out. Not here. Not where we are. Windshield here is 30 degrees. It, it's, what? What? Windshield it, here is yeah, it's, 20s it, to 30. It's like a freezing fog. When I left today, there was there was fog out. Yes, there was kind of like an almost a little icy mist on the car. And, uh, yeah, it's got to be at least 10 degrees cooler. And then you get up to Newport, it's not. Yeah. But that's like it, how it is here in the UK, especially the southern part of England. Those wind currents are from all over the place. It it has its own microclimate here, and anybody will will tell you. Not only do we live on an island, but we live on the, the part of the island that seems to get the most wind and rain. I said, "Gee, thank you very much." But up north, they get this. They get in snow, so you know. But. You live on the you, a lot too. You live on the edge of the island. You know what I mean. You live on the border, uh, the edge. And I that's can see a, the Isle of Wight, clear as a bell, without binoculars, from my flat window. I mean, it's right there. What is? Sorry, hang on a second. You can see the Isle of Wight from your like apartment window. Yeah. And what is? Yeah. Tell people what the Isle of Wight is, please. Well, the Isle of Wight is a, a a very famous, by the way, island right off the right off the southern coast of England. It's uh, it's part of uh, I believe it's still part of the county that we live in here on on the mainland. But it's uh, it's huge. It's, it's a big place. It's, there's a lot of cities and towns, a lot of towns in it that you can visit. That people live. People actually live there full full time. If they have to go to the island, uh, go to the mainland, they have to take the ferry, like if you were living in Cape Cod, uh, in the islands of uh, Cape Cod or something. And it's it's uh, home of uh, some very famous uh, music concerts, the Isle of Wight Festival, which has been been displayed since uh, the '60s, and has featured a, a lot of famous artists and and continue to do so. But they have their own train system, they have their own bus system. They have taxis. They have the whole deal, and it's it's a an island off the coast of another island. It's 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 pretty cool. Eileen and I have been there a couple of times, and just ventured a little bit. But uh, there's a lot of historic sites on it too. A lot of 
There's a lot of old castles. Everywhere you go around here is an old castle. You look at it and you go, is this like make-believe or is this real? And it's real. So thanks, Al, for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. Uh, glad to be here, Mac. It's uh, always a pleasure. Uh, and I didn't have to. I didn't have to go anywhere. I could just stay right. home and do this. You're remote yeah. tonight. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if they'll Working miss from us. home, as they say. I wonder if they'll miss us at the um, Thirsty Moose slash Sea Dog slash David Galley. Well, you know, that's one of those uh, Thanks, yeah. unfortunate situations. Make the, uh, well, Al can meet you there, but since you since you're sick, Mac. Yes. He doesn't. Uh, he could. Not he could maintain a. A six-foot distance, I I'll suppose. have to sit at the other end of the bar. There you go. <laughs> How did you get to the station, Mac? Uh, Uber? Uh, no, I drove, Switchy. Why? Okay. What, are you writing I a book? You're, what, are you writing a book? Well, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, skip the chat. They're making a mystery. Pretty nasty. Yeah. I, I, don't, yeah. I, don't switch, you I, know. I just spilled my beer. Mac Maloney unveiled. There you go. Okay, unveiled. Okay. Well, you got COVID, Mac? No, I hope well, not. No, no, bailed. I hope not. No. Uh, also joining us, hopefully a uh, ray of sunshine into this otherwise dark show, is our superfan, Susan Kay, down there in North Carolina. We will clap for you, Susan. Yep. Also known as the hot chick. Hi, everybody. How is everyone Susan. doing today? We're doing good. Hot chick How are you? Corvette. Now, there's some kind of animal in the uh, frame there. Was that a dog? Cat? I don't know, it looks like a cat, though, to me. Chihuahua. <laughs> no, okay. It's part Chihuahua, right? Yes. What's his name? Do you remember? The, I know you have a ton of animals. Can you remember all their names? I can. Really? This is Benton. Benton. I, hmm. yeah. Okay. yeah, that's yeah. the name he came with. And what, 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 what kind of dog is he? I'm more of a dog person than a cat person, even though this dog looks... Well, he's a rescue. Um, he was um, abused, so he's mm. got like a little anxiety vest on. Um, mm -hmm. He's brindle, that pretty coating with the marking. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, um, dachshund and mm -hmm. um, like Jack Russell Terrier kind oh, of mix. Wow, that's quite oh, a wow. combo. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a neat little dog, but it's raining outside, so he's wicked stressed out today. Mm -hmm. Yep, we understand. Uh, so, uh, uh, no raven tonight, but Susan has joined us. Thank you very much, Susan. We appreciate it. And uh, later on, so it's going to be a, a very interesting show tonight. Uh, Club is going to give a report on this Russian secret weapon that is supposedly going to be orbiting the Earth soon. Nuclear uh, bomb on board could drop at any time, anywhere. Uh, also, Switch is going to talk, uh, talk to us about uh, a supposed diary of a guy named Admiral Byrd who uh, went down to the South Pole and uh, saw some pretty strange things, so some people say. Uh, some people say he went down there uh, as a, an, an expedition, uh, expedition to Antarctica and found out a lot of great things, but there's always these kind of uh, rumors and myths. Uh, supposedly he saw, you know, UFOs, et cetera, et cetera. Switch is going to fill us in on that. And then later on, our good friend, Dr. Simeon Hind. We need a doctor on every show, as it turns out. He's going to be joining us in Boulder, Colorado. Very interesting guy. Uh, into all kinds of stuff. Bigfoot stuff, UFOs, and everything. And, and one one, he's a friend of Steve Howe, guitar player for ES. He is? Yes, he is. Wow. So, that's the show. That's now, listen. good. Yeah, yeah. He's a cool guy. Um, I'd like to get Steve Howe on the music show. That'd be great. Can you imagine that? I wouldn't know what to ask. I would not, you know what I mean? I'd blow it. I'm too much of a, you know, 
too much of a fan, you know what I mean? Because Steve might not be doing much of anything right now. I, I mean, don't know. Some about, of these guys, they take a lot of time off and, you know. Well, they're out there about 90 years old. Do you blame them? Yeah, they're getting up there, so, you know, right. they need the time off. If I imagine being a, like, seriously, an 80-year-old rock star, like uh, Mick Jagger. I saw him in the today. Mick yeah. Jagger. He says, hey, you're getting ready for the tour. The oh, you're going to join us on the tour. I'm like, holy cow, man. He's I can't around. imagine it. Yeah, me neither. But they're all the in good shape. On- TV, they had Rod Stewart. Yeah, there's another one. I saw that. Yeah, he's eight, he's 80 years old. Yep. yep. McCartney's 82, I think. He goes out on the uh, stage. Yep. You know, and uh, he loves it. He said he won't retire because he just loves going out there, hearing people singing yeah. and sharing and everything. Um, his- the guy looks good. He's got yeah. he's got uh, 17 grandchildren. Yeah. Oh my God. By th- uh, and by three wives. Yeah, is that what it was? Five wives. Yeah, five wives. Yeah, five wives. Yeah, five wives, 17 grandchildren. He's been married the the most current one now for about 17 years. Right. He thinks that's going to last. And his wife, this is more for the music show, his wife is a cop. She's a local constable, believe it or not. Okay, now... She had to be really bored, man. She's but, a she's a cop or is she a constable? She's a, well, she's a cop because she can she's arrest a, people. She's a DCI. Jo- uh, yeah, who knows? What is that? Detective. Uh, I forgot. I forgot the what a, hmm. the abbreviation is. De- Detective Inspector. De- yeah, she's like a uh, um, Bonnie Fife of their little local village. Yeah, a, a female <laughs> Bonnie Fife. Anyway, we have a top ten tonight. Top ten. And uh, Susan Kay has it, and she's going to read it. And actually, and the writers in the back room thought it was such a good topic that it's the top 11. Top 11 tonight. Susan, you have the list, right? I absolutely do have the list. Why don't we yes. start, start the music right here? And I believe it is uh, top 11 reasons why club will not be playing for the New England Patriots this year. Okay. Top 11 reasons why club isn't signing with the Pats this year. Please. Number 11. You know, you, you're doing this. You're putting me in here to bribe me or something. Because you know how bad I hate these. No, and now you make it 11. <laughs> I mean, this is really painful. A tonight, 10% increase, club. <laughs> and nothing against Susan. It's just not, not her fault. 110% torture. Okay. Well, number 11, please. Uh, Susan, top, 10, top 11 reasons why club is not playing with the Patriots next year. All right. Number 11, no Tommy Brady, no Willie Club. No Tommy Brady, no Willie Club. Hello? Is this on? Well, no, I, I, <laughs> it's true. I can't argue it. You know? All right. Number 10, please. Was... Number 10, he lives in Woburn now, and there's too much traffic driving to Foxborough. <laughs> no. No. It's not. I would go. Would you? If they had a good team. I would be the, I don't care what the traffic Next, please. Number nine, please, Suze. Number nine. Too many cats allowed in the locker room. That's why Brady's not there anymore. Next, please. Speaking for yourself there, man. Susan, next, please, Susan. (laughs) Number eight. The team plane doesn't carry snacks. Now, see? That would be a reason. (laughs) Next, please. The quicker we go here, Susan, the better. Okay, number seven. <laughs> it's just he how it turns out. Sick of showing up at the players' parking lot entrance and the guards assuming he was the team chaplain. 
Come on. Wow. 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 I'm sorry, Club. This is a mistake that's that right could be made. Favorite. I could see that. Go ahead, please. <laughs> Have you seen this year's uniforms? Pink? Red? Mauve? No way. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, 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 Ten would have been too many. Eleven was way too much. Next, please. Suze. Number five. The training camp menu does not include Chef Boyardee. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, club. I, I, You're being I, ripped on, Club, whether I, you know it or not. I think he knows it. Quite. <laughs> I think it's quite clear to him. Uh, next, please. Joseph. Number four. Hey. Since TB12 and Dreamy Jimmy G left the team, there's no chicks in the stands anymore. It's a f***ing Sarge's Fest. No, no, hold it. Wow. First of all, kill, kill those, kill the uh, crickets, okay? Only the engineer can put the crickets on. Susan, will you read that again? Because that might have been funny. <laughs> might have been. <laughs> it might have been if I delivered it in No, no, just way. do it again. That's all. <laughs> All right, number four was, hey, since TB12 and Dreamy Jimmy G left the team, there's no chicks in the stands anymore. It's a f***ing sausage fest. <laughs> okay, you know. It's almost over. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> number three. Uh, this is uh, number three. Third reason why Club will not be playing for the New England Patriots next year. He's too busy promoting his new book, Pulling the Switch on Switch, How to Make a Bald Man Dance, on sale everywhere. Oh, I didn't want to publicize that well, yet. The cat's out of the bag. I'm so sorry. Switchy has been frozen. Is he frozen? Is his camera frozen? Oh, no, he's moving. Okay, all right. Next, please. <laughs> Number two. I'm sorry I brought you into this. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I brought you into this. Now I feel like you're a co-conspirator in this mess. Number two, oh, okay. he declared early on, I go where Bill Belichick goes. Unfortunately, that's now the unemployment line. His loyalty to Bill. What? Okay, please, get, get rid of this. All right, please. $25 million a year. <laughs> yeah, for a, it's tough to no, cry from. Soured. And the number one reason that club will not be playing for the New England Patriots this year, he got a better offer from the Jets. J E T S Jets Jets Jets. Oh, that, that wow. would never happen. Yeah, <laughs> wow, that was uh, wrong on so many levels. So listen, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a commercial break now and fire all the writers, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Mill Tracks on Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Please stay tuned. Hey, Mac Maloney fans, this is Pistol Pete, and I'm sitting here with the one and only Mac Maloney. Hi, Mac. Hi, Pete. Now, Mac, you've got a new book out called How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught that you wrote with our pal, famous crime novelist, Mark Zapula. How did this whole thing come about? Well, Mark and I have this uh, mutual friend that we would go out uh, having beers with every once in a while, and he had the same 20 stories that he would tell us kind of over and over again. And at some point, I said, you know, we should write these down. And we did, and it turned into a book. It's such a crazy title. How, how'd you come up with it? Well, kind of the same thing. We're in the bar talking to this uh, friend of ours one night, and he just said, you don't know how to get rid of a body at sea and not get caught. And, of course, we didn't know. And so uh, he told us. And uh, the secret is in the book, but I can say that it involves a lot of chain-link fence and some crabs. 
Now, Mac, you gave me an advanced copy of the book. And like I said before, it's one of the funniest things I've ever read. It reminded me of The Sopranos if The Sopranos had a laugh track. Thanks, Pete. But it also gives you instructions on how to do some pretty shady stuff, stuff not exactly legal. Well, yeah, the book is about the true life adventures of a juvenile delinquent growing up in Boston in the late 1980s. So you get a lot of the inside stuff like the best way to steal a car, best way to burn a car, how to make fake IDs, things like that. But in one chapter, you actually tell people how to turn an old broken down Toyota into a brand new Rolls Royce in five easy steps, and it actually works. Uh, Yeah, I know it sounds crazy. I didn't believe it until I saw the proof, but yes, it actually works. Now, one last question. There's a lot of laughs in the book but also a lot of pretty crazy stuff, legal and illegal. Is it really all true? It's really all true, but um, on the advice of a publisher, they've asked us not to say anything beyond that for legal reasons, but yes, it is all true. Well, thanks, Mac. That's How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught, the Al Ferrari story by Mac and crime writer Mark Zapula. Get it today on Amazon. Here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network, this is Mac Maloney. Well, I want to show we have for you tonight. Very quickly, the gang is here uh, over there across the puddle. The very famous one, one, one. Hello, broadcasting live all the way from England, southern tip of England near the Isle of Wight. Yes. Like W-Y-G-H-T. Yes. We may or may not have a whole section of the Isle of Wight in the show let's see what happens right it's just as well you know? but 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 you see you go over there like on a ferry and everything they have their own buses yeah and trains yeah and they, stuff. they have regular ferries uh quite yeah. often how many people live out there i thought it was just kind of a deserted island no no it's not deserted at all it's a it's a densely populated island really? people live there work there they have practices there yeah they, they hold with the uh isle of white and you know what was that 1970 something that was like one of the biggest best Rock band, uh, rock albums ever live rock, live at, yeah, yeah. I don't know what. Hendrix played there. He Everybody did. played there, hmm. one time or another. Speaking of uh, Hendrix, here's um, <laughs> I don't know how to go into it other than to say that Switchy was a very good friend of Jimi Hendrix. As it turns out, they served in the uh, army together. Switchy, how you doing? This is Switch played Steve Ward down there in West Virginia. Switching. Yeah, yeah, we were in, in Nam together. Only really? Was never actually in Nam. No. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, wait a minute. No, no, wait a minute. I was in a is department a joke store here named Noms once, but it was that's a whole different thing. Uh, okay. Uh, Switch. So you didn't see, you didn't know Jimi Hendrix. Is that what you're saying? I, I didn't know Jimi Hendrix. I, I did not go to Vietnam. I, I was in the Navy, but I did not go to Vietnam. But you do. You did know Eminem, right? Didn't you grow up with him? You were poor with Eminem on. Well, I, I I hung out uh, near the the same strip, uh, Eight Mile Road. Yes. The thing is that I, I always made very clear that even though I was grew up less than a mile from Eight Mile Road. Yes. I never had any street cred. Huh. <laughs> and, and you're bragging about that? You're, that sucks. That's good. No, I'm just being. Uh, I didn't a, a see product. the movie either. <laughs> no, no. I... So, 
So you got beaten by the gangs and the cops. Is that how it was? I, I just stay, stayed away. Stayed I, away, I yeah. The I just stayed in the fetal position so they wouldn't hurt me. That's how you go. <laughs> also with us, uh, how am I going to say this? Uh, let's just talk about the fetal position. Uh, well, is our security chief, Willie Club. Willie, how are you doing? Well, uh, I'm doing great, Mac. I don't know what that was referring to. I just did the gazenta, as they say in the Because I'm not Sorry. in the fetal position. No, that's obvious, right. I right. will be usually by the end of the show, though. <laughs> well, you and me right. both, there, brother. <laughs> but it, it, it is great to be here tonight, particularly with our new member of our cast, yes. the uh, Cary yes. Grant Switch. Cary Grant, yeah. Wow, yeah. yeah. Grant he does have the uh, glasses because uh, later in life, Cary Grant um, had those kind of uh, big kind of um, Hollywood glasses. He did, you know? just around the time that he uh, impregnated uh, that movie star. Wow, yeah. no, ain't it? Oh, oh. Which Remember movie that? star was that? He had pregnant. Uh, she was y- yes. somebody. No, I, I yes. can't think of her name offhand. She was attractive. Her, her name was Diane Cannon. Diane, Diane Cannon. Cannon yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah, he has a daughter. Yeah, and she was a lot younger than him. She was a really it girl back then, and uh, yeah, he was an old yeah. guy. But his movie star had money, so I'm sure it was love, though. Wow. So, um, on that club, what else do you have to report? I, I don't know. I just okay. uh, I'm right now. I'm, I'm just listening to everyone. I yeah. want to take it all in. I'm still kind of taken back by that top eleven or whatever you call it that we did today. But okay, all right. Other than that, once again, that may or may not be on the show, so don't worry about it. Do you have to? Okay. <laughs> oh, good. Then you'll have to cut me too. All right. Also with us is uh, UFO mechanic Al Ronaldo. Al. Hey, Mac. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> Two things, real quick. Um, I just looked it up. There's the population of the Isle of Wight is like uh, 140,000 people. So it's not a small wow, Yeah, that's a lot. And uh, the other thing is you were talking about Cary Grant. Yes. Um, the kid that played Draco Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies is playing him in a sort of a, yeah. a movie about Cary Grant. Yeah, 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 yeah. How he made up, he made up the whole... Pictures of the kid done up like him and he actually looks pretty much like grant uh-huh. did with the glasses and his real name so what was his real name do you know cary grant's real name oh they say it in the movie but i it's don't it's a real british name too. archibald leach archibald leach archibald yes he archibald. just created the whole character of cary grant that's kind of fascinating way i don't think you can do it these days without a hundred different um you know agents and stuff like that but they literally created kind of like another person from england you know Anyway, let's see. Also with us, oh, is our uh, super fan Susan K down there in North Carolina talking about movie stars. Hi, Susan. Hi, I'm far from a movie star, but I hmm. am so happy to be here with all of you. All this talent in the room. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which room is that? Are you including club when you say that? Thank you for laughing, Miss Switch. By the way, of course. What, uh, would you say, Carrie? Right. Yeah, Archie. Uh, Judy, Judy, uh, Judy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of switch, switch. We don't want to be hurried in this segment. So, uh, you had some kind of fascinating breakfast this morning, or no? Oh uh, well, well, I went to Tudor's, and uh, it, it's not terribly exciting. I, I had one pancake. Oh. Okay. Yes. And. Bacon, but I asked for extra bacon, not too crispy. Good for you. Go ahead. And hot black coffee. I always ask. I mean, I can get it in a styrofoam cup, yes. but I always ask for the the, the mug, the, the glass yes. coffee cup, because it makes me feel like a grown-up. 
Exactly. Interesting. Okay. You, you got to have it that way. If you're going to eat in, you have to have it that oh, way. Oh, absolutely. I just keep filling that baby up for a couple hours while I sit there and read and uh, just have a great old time. Wow, that's cool. Do you have a favorite waitress that uh, tops off, uh, warms up your coffee like every? uh, Well, the the uh, the people behind the counter. There are uh, there are a couple young ladies there that will do that, Um, and 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 a more an older lady that has probably been there for 150 years. Great lady. Huh. Interesting. Uh, But uh, you know, they uh, I, I usually go up and you know. Want to get some blood moving in my legs, so I'll I'll actually walk up there to get the coffee my, hmm. and pour it myself. But they do come by sometimes. Good for you. Yeah, hmm. I love waitresses. Um, we all do, as it turns out. But look at so switchy. So you had one pancake, but a yes. lot of extra bacon. Yep. I like that. I like that breakfast. I like that. Yeah, if you can eat bacon, why not eat you know ten strips of bacon? It's like oh, yeah. the worst thing in the world for you. Bacon is good. Bacon's Less pancakes, good for you. Less, less syrup, a little more bacon. Yeah, yeah, a lot of syrup. Yeah, yep. Be the baconator. The baconator. Switch. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so anyway, uh, I don't want to say now that we've got that out of the way, but um, Club has a report, and I'm going to put his bumper in right now. Reporting the latest in the U.S. military's new investigation into UFOs and what they still aren't telling you. It's time for the Club Report. Club, what do you have for us? Well, Mac, uh, I think as most people know now, about two weeks ago, the uh, there was a lot going on in the world as far as Russia and nuclear weapons are concerned. Uh, uh, what happened was uh, the uh, Ohio Republican uh, Mike Turner, he's the chairman of the uh, House Intelligence Committee, uh, went to the press and announced uh, a serious national security threat uh, in the threat involved uh, Russia uh, uh, looking to put a nuclear weapon in space. Uh, he was very concerned about that and uh, so, so much concern that the next day he went on vacation for two weeks. But needless to say, um, since been, that uh, time, really wrapped up. There's been a, Go ahead. Excuse me. No, I was going to say that must have really disturbed him if he went on vacation. Yeah, he's two weeks to hold Congress. But, anyways, uh, after that, uh, apparently there was uh, a real controversy because he wasn't authorized to say really it. get out in front of the press. They were confused why he did that. So anyways, then the president's uh, national security advisor went out and uh, spoke to the press and uh, tried to allay public concerns about the severity of this. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is that it's not something that they just found out, you know, the day before. They've been aware that uh, Putin has a thing with, um, you know, with nuclear weapons. He used that in Ukraine yes. to try to get the uh, West from uh, cutting back on the kinds of weapons they were sending right. over to Ukraine. Yes. And he also developed a nuclear-powered supersonic jet and some other nuclear-powered but, but things. It, it, so you, have to point out, it, you have to point out these things never go anywhere. I can tell you in the past five years, he's come up what the nuclear airplane was one, um, the battleship that that floats on the water was another one, um, some kind of big submarine. And, and he does it for internal propaganda reasons, saying, you know, look what we have. And then no one ever questions him 11 months you know, later, you know, where is the nuclear power jet? So I'm sorry, 
Cool. Please go on. No, that's good. No, that, I mean, and uh, and hypersonic missiles. He's talking about putting nukes on, but that's that's Putin. You know what he is? He's a scumbag. And but the whole thing is that that's his only threat now. Is he he got our attention when he threatened the nuclear th- thing in Ukraine, and so now he'll use that all the time. But anyways, he they are in fact uh, building the technology to uh, have a, a missile up in space. Now, based on what we've been hearing, as I mentioned, from the National Security Advisor and others and the president, right. uh, apparently they believe that he's not building a weapon that he's going to fire back at Earth that would you know, be aimed at, at people at all. This would be a nuclear it's, bomb in space, right? A nuclear weapon yeah. in orbit, which, they, which well, is, they're forbidden by the U.N., by the UN where right. that makes any difference anymore, but you're not supposed to have nuclear weapons in orbit, but they're going to. Scratch that, I guess. Well, they have a a treaty they signed many years ago. Russia's included, and they still abide by it. As far as you know, how nuclear weapons will uh, be controlled. But anyways, you know, there's two scenarios here that they're looking at, and one is that it's a, a space-based nuclear weapon. Uh, we already have something similar to that, but it's not a new idea or capability. Um, but what this does, it's going to have a radiation belt weapon mm. that they think what he would do is set that thing off and uh, it would go after satellites, oh. you know, sort of what they call a kamikaze attack in space. Yeah. Because, But the thing is, if he does that, you know, it's not as if we spread all our uh, satellites, all the, you know, the, the folks that have them up there, the countries, right. you know, all over the place. If he did that, more than likely this kamikaze attack would also affect a lot of uh, Russia's own satellites. Yeah, and China's, so, which you don't want to yeah, do either. Everyone. Yeah, right. So that's why they feel that that scenario is uh, really doesn't have anything to it. So this guy was trying now, to scare people. He, he got in front of the media to kind of scare people to get on TV because we're talking about it. Exactly. And... Uh, but anyways, you know, the other scenario is, you know, to have a uh, a satellite up there with a nuclear capability mm. uh, that could be used to attack other satellites in a little different way. So mm. the, the whole thing now is it seems like a lot of this was overblown Yes. Uh, by that announcement. Um, it's interesting, all of the different uh, scientists and experts who have come out recently to... Uh, to talk about this, one of them is uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, you yeah. remember know him? Yep. You know, um, he's an American astrophysicist. Yes. And according to Neil, he said, uh, "It's if it's anything, it's a nuclear-powered weapon, powered to get it up there, yep. versus being some kind of you know nu- nuclear weapon to be powered, like a bomb. It's, it's not a, a warhead. It's a bomb. Yep. But, so he say it's not. He, he believes it's not a nuclear bomb." But the, in that, also, it's not there yet. Right, yes, they're, not finished. They're trying to develop it. They've been, uh, you know, their focus has changed because of the Ukraine war, <laughs> so they haven't been able to put the sure. emphasis on that weapon. So, so anyways, the, the bottom line is that it looks as though the world's safe, oh, at wow. least for another day or two. Cool. That it was strictly something that they, someone got out, and probably Putin, they expect, got the word out to someone, whether it was the Russia, the yeah. 
the uh, the intelligence committee or whatever to try to get himself back and uh, highlight the show, you know, to scare us about what he's got. But um, some flunky. Anyways, that's what it is. It's a it's a potential weapon that is probably going to be aimed at satellites if they ever really complete that technology. Wow, good luck. But in the meantime, everybody's saying, you know, calm down. There's nothing up there now. He doesn't have any nuclear weapon up there now, and it's not going to be for quite a while. But so, and you got to understand, we have that new space command. Yeah, right. And uh, that's been their charge, you know, ever since they've started. We put together last year that space force. Space force. And so, what they're doing, uh, they're building a more resilient and protected space system up there. Mm-hmm. So, in the meantime, we're not just sitting around letting this guy threaten us with, with all these nuclear things. So so anyways, I just wanted to get the, the word out that things are a lot cooler and calmer today than they were two weeks ago. Wow, that's a relief. And uh, But, you know, keep your eye to the sky anyways. Um, it just reminded me of, of two stories real quick. Back in, just to talk about how sometimes politicians can come out, speak when they shouldn't, and uh, how it really affects people. During World War II, for the first year, the number one secret that the U.S. Navy had, top secret, was that um, U.S. submarines could actually dive to 60 feet below, and the Japanese thought it was 40 feet below. They had convinced the Japanese it was 40 feet below, and so the Japanese would drop their depth charges armed for 40 feet. And for the first year, they kind of got away with it. Some congressman came out and did a, a, a tour of Pearl Harbor and, you know, got drunk with the admirals and stuff, went home, and he told that to the press. And the Japanese found out, and for that next year, literally dozens of submarines were lost and hundreds of guys killed, okay? That's why you keep your freaking mouth shut, especially when it has to do with anything with national security. Sure, you're going to get a buzz, you're going to get on TV, you know, but you're a dick to do stuff like that. Anyway, Well, thank whatever you. happened to the adage of loose lips sink ships. No one cares anymore. No. No one cares. If you can get on TV, you'll say anything. Take it from me. Yeah. Thank you, Club, for doing this. Let's give Club a hand. You know why? Yeah. I'm the only one. I'm the only one clapping for scary. No, I'm, I'm, I'm making it calmer for you now. Okay. So go. You can sleep tonight. I heard that. Why don't we do well, this? Well, well I, have, I have one comment about the story, though. The, the uh, scientists have said that if you're going to be trying to blow up somebody's satellite, which is, you know, not a, not a novel idea. Everybody right. wants to do that, or at least disable it. That the, the space debris created by that be nuts. would impact your own satellites and your own stuff, and it would just be yeah. a, a mess. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make sense. That about the, the kamikaze yeah. effect, as they call it. I'd be more, yeah. It'd be more likely to me, you know, if you're going to have a weapon, is to put a nuclear bomb up there and threaten that, hey, you know, we can have this thing, you know, re-entry into Earth anytime we want and so on and so forth. But I'll tell you, that would take longer than a, an ICBM would. These days, an ICBM can make it from North Dakota to Moscow in like 28 minutes or something. So mm-hmm. you don't need the speed. And, and you can know. you imagine can, if there was a launch issue when they launched it? And, and some, yeah. How if it blew up on the pad? What happens then? Yeah. Ch- Chernobyl. <laughs> Gee, imagine, can you imagine if it blew up or a crash? Oh, man. I'm gonna, anyway. Why don't we do this, though? Let's talk about blowing up and crashing. Why don't we take a commission right now? And we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Maloney's Mill Tracksaw Show here in the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Please stay tuned. And I just kept going on and on about myself. I'm taking a leak in the driveway. 
says, I know you'd like to talk to total stranger. The story has got nothing to do with the Bruins game. It's what happened with Grandma. I was wondering if those were sadomasochism straps or something. <laughs> but I digress uh, from what I don't know. Get into the beautiful mind of Juan Juan only on the Mac Maloney Military X-Files show. show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. We have a show we have for you tonight. Let me very quickly introduce uh, the members of the gang. Uh, girls, you know, he's here. All the way from across the portal. Very famous one one. JJ. All the way from the UK. All the way from I the UK. I have an accent. Do I? Do I have a UK no, accent? you have not, uh, you know, you're not, um, you haven't taken that on. You know, like Madonna, she lived in the uh, UK for about six months. She came back with an English accent. She was affecting an English accent. Yeah. But sometimes you I'm, do. I'm pretty impressed by uh, some of these uh, British actresses and actors who can do an American accent. Yeah. Like easy. they're from America, from yeah, yeah. whatever part of the country. Yeah. I've they, seen they do it very well. It's amazing. Usually on late night TV, they always ask them to do the American accent. Anyway, I've been doing the American accent his whole life. Switchblade Steve Watt, Switchy. That's right. I have not awakened with a West Virginia accent just yet. He's British, and he's... occasionally I'll say you all though. Do you really? Not on here, you well, won't. <laughs> once, once in a while. Once in a while. Thank you, Switch for joining us. Our security chief Willie Club is with us. WC, how are you? I know, Mac. I'm good, and I and I've been trying other accents over time. Really? But nothing seems to work. Hmm. So I just keep speaking this old New England uh, New original England? accent of. America. Slash Boston. Yeah. Okay. I got that. Um, what's that speak by type by speak? What the heck is that? Dragon? Dragon? Yeah. yeah. Does recognize my accent. It's, it's, it's worthless. Also, up there, it, that's the Boston accent. Up there uh, in uh, Far Rock, Plum Island, is uh, Arenaldo, UFO mechanic. Al. Hello, Mac. Hey, everybody. Um, hey, Steve, did you ever say all y'all? Yeah. Instead all of just y'all? y'all, you got to go all y'all. That means you're, you're a real freaking idiot if you say y'all, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> also, Susan K, super fan down there in North Carolina. Susan, how are you? I'm doing great. Hi, everybody. Did nice you, to be here. Did you drive home? See all your Susan still has her Boston accent, though. She does. That's how she's on. Yep. Did, did you drive Part home? Did you drive home in high speed today to get... I, I, are you kidding me? I had to leave work early, so Ooh, yes, pedal to the metal. Okay, last time you got a, a speeding ticket, though, correct? Yes, yes, I did. It's okay. And uh, there was no times have changed. No discussion, no conversation oh, took man. place. Uh, ma'am, do you know why I pulled you over today? I said, no, I really don't. And he said, license and registration. He went back to his car. He walked back and handed me a piece of paper. And I thought, thank you. Oh, my gosh. He's not going to write me a ticket. Mm-hmm. When I unfolded the paper, it was a ticket. Bum, bum. He said, uh, yep. 
Yeah, yeah. In, in that short amount of time, no more sitting back in the car and checking everything out. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they needed to, uh, you know, make their quota. Anyway, speaking of making our quota on good guests, with us is, how about that for a good sentence, Dr. Simeon Hine out there in Colorado. Let's clap him on. Hey. Because I think yes. he'll enjoy that. Sim, how are you doing? Hey, good guys. And I don't know, in case you can't tell, I'm from New York. Oh, you are? You got a problem with that? <laughs> Not anymore, no. I'm working here. Yeah, we're in New York. You're not really from New York, are you? I am originally from New York. Whereabouts? Where? The city. No way. Oh. No. Yeah, no, that's I grew New up York. There as a kid, and then in the '60s, you know, a lot of people were going out to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. So my parents moved to Scottsdale. Oh wow, even better. <laughs> yeah, so. I grew up went to high school in Scottsdale. Did you really? And then I I went to. Amherst, Mass. Uh, Hampshire College in Amherst. I went to Mass School in Massachusetts for some of you guys. Wow. wow. Huh. Yeah, my uncle lives in Boston, so I got to Boston sometimes. Oh, no, oh, uncle. no. And then I got, you know, I just got this graduate stipend to go out to the University of Arizona. That's how I ended up out west. I'm Is still that out here. Hmm, hmm. Well, Yorkify it a little bit. The really? It's getting a little better. Yeah. Scott's. Scott's deal. Okay. Did you say the pizza's a little bit better in Arizona? Is that what you said? Getting better out here. No, it is. <laughs> no, come on. Not quite. Every time I go back to New York and we go to those fantastic Italian restaurants, I say to mom, I say, Mom, this is nothing like this out west. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Not the close. same. It's it, just not the same. But yeah. they're trying. They're trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. There's two, just talking about New York City, there's two really great delis down there, but one of them is gone now. Um it was right down in the theater. I forget the name of it. Uh, but there was, um, I forget the name of the two of them. Anyway, there's, there's two of them. And if you go in there, they give you a sandwich that's about literally 10 inches high. That's the Foot thing. Tall. But, yeah, for, you know, <laughs> uh, corned beef. And it's like butter. You know what I mean? It's The Carnegie Deli oh. is one of them. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, uh, you, you know, and it had them in Boston and stuff. It's just not the same. It's not the same. Great food. Anyway, so, so do you come back to uh, New York City now? Fascinated about Yeah, I did. I came last time. I've got this new res dog from New Mexico. Mom said she's 93. So I want to meet Astro. So we put him in the car. We drove back east. Okay. And you go through, yeah, you go through all these Kansas and Missouri mm. and uh, Indiana. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Even a little bit of West Virginia, Ohio. Uh, got to stop by Wright Pad. That was interesting. <laughs> Dayton, Dayton could be uh-huh. something over there. Uh, and when Did you, you go to the museum go, in Dayton, yeah, a great Wright Brothers uh-huh. memorial. Yeah, that oh, really? Beautiful. I've been there. Still, you can see all the, the little fields where they used to test their flock. That right. was a fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you finally go through Pennsylvania, and you finally see the lights of New Jersey, you finally feel oh, I'm back in civilization. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're in you New Jersey. Up, like, I'm just saying, I grew up back east. This yeah. is how you feel yeah, once yeah, you yeah. see New Jersey. You feel like a paved roads again you know yes Italian <laughs> yeah, restaurants. Right. You, yeah you feel like no amish vehicles you actually occasionally see an amish it's just a bias i'm district. not trying to put anyone down from pennsylvania these other no states. no no i, I do that all yeah. places I, but it's just the feeling having grown up back there and you start seeing the signs and you see the signs in new uh-huh. york city and you feel like you're back hey, so yes you... i came back over the holidays i drove back it's a couple days each way quite a long drive but mom days. got to meet astro down here what is that better not and be a cat is it no, no, it's, it's my res dog here. Oh, there we go. Okay, dogs are okay. I got this guy from a res dog, 
adoption agency out of Lafayette, resdogs.org. And he happens to come from Vanderwagen, New Mexico, okay. which is right where I worked on the Navajo reservation during college. During one summer, I went out there for a couple months to teach English to code talkers. Wow. These guys couldn't speak a word of English. Okay. They wanted to communicate with their grandkids. And there was this program from the University of Indiana. And I used to ride in the back of a pickup to go get – I didn't have a car. They would the, – the, the, the Navajos would drive me up to Gallup on the weekends to get groceries, I'd ride in the back of their truck and we'd go through Vanderwagen. I never thought I'd see anything from Vanderwagen again in here. You got a this dog. This little guy is a, is a Vanderwagen native. Wow, wow, okay, that's <laughs> cool. Has, wow. What kind of a car do you have that you were making it to New Jersey in two days from Colorado? No, it wasn't two days, it was okay. four days, guys. Okay. I, I like to stop a little early and I run businesses like you guys do. I've got publishing books to send out, people yeah, yeah, with yeah. so I don't drive more than is sensible and i like to have a couple hours at night to mm -hmm. correspond with customers and things i have to do so i it, it was four days it was like 1800 miles so what do you so have a corvette long. what do you i see you as I, a know, I have mom's old honda 2001 oh honda <laughs> wow <Ford>. okay <laughs> a friend of her saw this at a, you know this gas station down by near scarsdale's train station and this guy knew cars yes yes and jack and he said he said to my mom, you have to get this, the V6. This is the top mm. of the line yep. Honda Accord from 2001. And that thing, we just got it up to 75,000 miles. I just broke it in. Nice. Yeah. It's 20 years old. And I just, I bike a lot around here. I'm in Boulder. I don't drive when I don't need to. So, mm -hmm. And yeah, that was the great car to get back there. You know, that V6 engine, Let power me... to boot. Guys, what? I'm telling you, I got upper 40s miles per really? gallon. I'm going to throw it to That's Al. That's how they used to build them 20 years ago. Doing the speed limit, 75, you could get upper 40s on the highway. Close they had, to they had a VTEC engine in it, didn't it? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, my wife had Low an Acura 50s. with a VTEC in yeah. it. So you know what I'm talking about. That I do know it, yep. I'm going to... Uh... I couldn't believe it. Upper 40s, low 50s on a V6 at that, those speeds. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Let me 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 throw it to Al for a second. Al is the uh, a mechanic on the show. So uh, uh, those those are kind of well known, right? Don't say anything bad about them, but no, they're anything Honda. You know, it's a Honda. It's going to live forever. Bulletproof. Yep. Yeah. And get good yeah. miles. You know, we running two of them as our daily drivers. But how about putting um, a six cylinder in something like that? They, you know, they did make them. They, hmm. You know, there's. That's the V6. I drove a V6. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, the, the Accords were the luxurious model. They were a step up from the Civic. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which was more of a commuter, you know, lower yeah, yeah, level. Yeah, but yeah. you get into the Accords, they were comfortable. They 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 were to fight the uh, the Camry. Yeah, and to make it yeah make it look like it's a real car. So that's a that's a good car to go across the country, and that's nice, you know. Oh, great car! Not too big, not too small. Yeah. You know, two thousand one, the yep. big car would be small by our comparisons. But for you and a, a Res Dog, yeah, yeah, perfect nice. and fast, quiet, comfortable. I mean, it's, that thing is just well built. Yeah, well built. yeah, very uh, economical. At the very economical, even all those miles at fifty miles. Run forever. Hmm. So yeah, listen, you're I'm a doctor. What are you a doctor of? What What is your degree in, your doctorate? And can you... Yeah, so my PhD is in sociology. Mm -hmm. I wow. specialized in statistics really? uh, and research methods. And, and for a time, I used to do economic sociology, looking at effects of economic policy mm -hmm. on social development. And I was just checking one of these sites this morning, academia.edu. Mm -hmm. You can actually see who's citing your papers. Oh, really? Yes. I'm more well known for those papers I wrote 30 years ago 
wow. in some ways than even the stuff I do now with <laughs> oh. paranormal phenomena. Okay. Uh, I'm applying. They're all the published on that website? Yeah, you upload your papers and there's, wow. a, huh. we're in a huge global a globe of people who want to access information and they find the papers you wrote about economic policy and it's, wow. they don't care about RV or UFOs or Bigfoot or anything. They want to know exactly. about economic policy and economic growth. I mean, guys, we're living in a world that deals with these issues every day. Right, and the but they're boring. They're not, they're not, it's not that they're boring, it's that it takes a while for people get, to get into them and, and they just lose interests you know these days if it isn't 10 seconds forget about it right so anyway that's what i used to do in my previous life and I, you know in 96 i came across the idea of remote viewing and i i was an assistant professor at wsu in pullman washington the other side of the country mm -hmm. but so do you, an interesting experience growing up in new york and going out to yeah Eastern for sure washington do you, do you yeah, believe but, uh, do you, anyway that's I, okay. that's what i did and yeah right. do, do you believe that you can improve what we call paranormal events through, uh, you know, statistics. Yes. Right. How do you, how do you fact, go about I, that? I, I mean, I, it, I believe in you, but what's the method? All the no, no, Mac, it's a really good question. I've been thinking about this all day. Why? I decided to get a chat GBT account and put in some of our favorite topics and see what does chat GBT tell us about remote viewing and UFOs. AI. AI. Because I was listening to someone saying how it's so accurate and it has an IQ of 155, if you could measure it. You know, I'm thinking... BS. It's not accurate on our topics. It's not accurate on controversial topics because it's just summarizing what people have said. So I put in remote viewing, Mac, about the statistical accuracy, and it said it's unproven. Not only is it controversial, but mainstream science doesn't accept it because there's no data to prove it. Hogwash. Uh, all you need to read is Dean Radin's books. Uh, the Conscious Universe, Supermind, all these books that Dean Radin has written, other people, Russell Targ and other people. People have been studying ESP and clairvoyance and all these related subjects for over a century. And modern statistics only exists since around the 1920s or so. So they didn't have those methods earlier. Okay. But the experiments have gotten better and better and better. You know, finally end up with people, uh, places like Princeton Engineering Anomalies Lab, Paralabs. Mm. And they proved the effect of micro PK. They had people come in and see if they could affect a random number generator, just generating ones and zeros to make it go non-random. Okay. Like there's the device there. They say, affect it with your mind, make more ones. There's, they got odds of 375 million to one, 70, mm. 375 trillion to one wow. that this was half after 20 years of tests that yeah. this is happening by chance. Because in statistics, everything you do, you say, well, what's the possibility that People got like 90 heads out of 100 flips just randomly. It can happen once in a while. Right. And you know it's only going to happen once out of you know a million trials. You're going to get all heads and no tails. Right. After 20 years to see that graph, I'm happy to show it to you if you want to put it on the screen. When you're make, trying to make it go towards ones, you get more ones cumulatively. Only two to three out of 10,000. But after 20 years, that's a lot of extra ones. Yes. Or zeros. So it is proven. And the, this so-called AI... I think it's not as smart as people are making it out to be. It's not like it's not a useful tool mm -hmm. to find a summary of something, to learn about a topic. I mean, if you're curious about something, you can ask it a question and you can find out all sorts of interesting topics. But on our subjects that are controversial, it's going to give you a Wikipedia answer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Wikipedia is biased. Yes, funny. And so I would say to answer your question, there's a lot of evidence for ESP, remote viewing, clairvoyance, telepathy, precognition, 
just from the statistical tests from places like Duke University and other places going back 100 years. And the controls have gotten better and better and better over the decades. Mm-hmm. So you end up with something like Princeton Engineering Anomalies and other places where they do hundreds of trials and you, you see that you got results above chance. Right, above chance. That's what we're talking about. So so things like, um, well, what of all the things that you mentioned, what I've heard the most that... Um, let's say the most interesting is remote viewing because we've had yeah. people on before who were pretty high up in, in the military at the time. And then other people who knew about it and just these stories they told us and were, you know, more or less verified um, and also personal anecdotes that you couldn't make up. Um, yeah. There's something to it. But what is it though? What is it? Do you have I'll any theories? Examples right here. This is from my book, Opening Minds. Okay. Let's hear everywhere. Over 20 years mm-hmm. at this point, I don't think I would change anything. It's pretty cool. Available everywhere. Right. Available and, everywhere. And a great, a very good book, by the way. I read when it first came out. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Wow, I appreciate Richie. that. Yes. Uh, I have examples of RV in there. I mean, this is what people can do. Here's the Washington Monument, and look, they get the Washington Monument. Mm. This viewer did not believe it was the Washington Monument. It happened within the first two minutes of the session. We use this sort of written procedure that Stanford Research Institute developed okay. for CIA, DIA at the time. It was a government classified program. It's declassified mm. now. And sometimes you get these images and you don't believe it. So this guy mm-hmm. walked around to the Lincoln Memorial down the reflecting pool. He just couldn't believe it was the Washington Monument, but that was the target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so you don't really know it's accurate when you're doing it. You're just getting these mm-hmm. flash of images like race car, race car. This guy said it can't be a race car. So he walked around and said it's a stadium. It's a race car. In a oh, stadium. wow. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. A rocket ship, rocket. So this is what it looked like in practice. These are total beginners. These are from my beginning classes, and some of these sessions are from mm-hmm. the very first day. Wow. And then other times we do double-blind sessions where even the monitor, me, doesn't know the target, so someone can't say, oh, it was like signal leakage, like you were sure. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yep. you get it. Yeah, you were subconsciously telling them, I don't know, through sign language or something. A hard, hardcore scientists that there's some sort of leakage going on here. Well, this is double-blind where no one knows the target, and they still draw the picture It's a so Not so let's head, just but... just for um you know just for uh, well for me so what happens is that you have a subject and he is he she somewhere and you tell them to what draw what's in their mind and you have something just... already done that's the washington monument yeah. and they draw the you ask them to describe the target and they draw the washington monument yeah there's a protocol for describing your impressions it starts with very basic and gets more advanced during the session like the idea of an aperture opening to another aspect of your awareness and non-local awareness. Mm -hmm. And you just ask them to describe the target. We can give them random numbers, which could be written on the folder. Just say, describe the targets associated with these random numbers. They are random. They don't have any information about the target. You read them the numbers and they, they draw a little bit and they start describing the feeling of that line. And then they describe sensories, like an aperture opening up Mm. dimensions, magnitudes, colors, maybe purpose, some sense of intention or they draw a little bit. That's how we do it in the beginning. Uh, I'm starting a, a monthly class where people can just go by Zoom, can join and learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Well, that'd be great. Yeah, because yeah, people often want to try it out. So it, it is a big surprise, guys, that this worked. I didn't think it would work when I took a class in 96. So, hey, you know, I'm Simeon? on the East Coast. I'm skeptical. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, it's like it, it should be. It worked. 
better than I thought. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Club. I had a question. Uh, I used to listen a lot to Ingo Swan. Yeah. What do you think of, you know, his research and his background? Where, you know, pretty much it looks like he helped develop yeah. the viewing from the CIA. Yep. You feel he had a lot of credibility? Yes. Uh, he developed the system that I teach, CRB. Oh, and okay. he demonstrated his abilities to Gertrude Schmeidler at the City University of New York, in New York City. Uh, initially, not with RV, with psychokinesis affecting these little thermistors in the sealed thermoses. You know, they changed their voltage current. They, they changed the electrical flow based on temperature. And he was able to affect them from a distance. He could measure the output. And he wrote to SRI, said I could do this, that he sent him the paper he published and they got him over there. I, I talked to Ingo and I visited him in his building in 2013 before he passed on. I only got to visit with him once. We were going to hang out a little more because I was living in Manhattan at the time and my girlfriend lived up in Stytown. So I, I just biked over to his house once I found out exactly. You know, we attempted to RV where he lived because we knew he was in like down by Bowery or something. And we got within a block. He said, this feels like Ingo's neighborhood. Oh, this feels like my girlfriend Bowery. said, you know, every time I worked by that building, I used to walk by there. I got this feeling before, you know, before we knew exactly where he was. I, I visited with him and we had a very interesting conversation for about an hour and a half. Hmm. Oh, so, um, yeah. He was the real well, deal. He, he created these protocols. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Supposedly the CIA shut down that whole remote viewing uh, area years ago. Do you, do you believe that? Or do you think it's still over there uh, somewhere? It's a good, it's a good question. Uh, it seems that the program that we know about, uh, Stargate, which had different names, it looks like that was shut down, obviously. Hmm. Uh, Congress funds programs and they shut down. It doesn't mean that they're not outsourcing it to aerospace companies or whoever hmm. they outsource stuff to nowadays. Cause so much stuff is outsourced since those days of the seventies. And, you know, getting into the UFO topic a little bit, it's pretty clear that the crash materials have been outsourced to eliminate FOIA requests for info. And we all know the name of those aerospace companies. We know those names of the companies that probably are involved in this. So would it be a surprise that they're also outsourcing the RV for people to do this? I mean, you do get useful information from it sometimes, sometimes not so much, sometimes super accurate, like those sessions I showed you. And I can't believe you wouldn't be doing some of that. It doesn't cost very much. It's just a person with a pen and a paper. Mm. Yeah. So interesting. Pretty cost effective. Supposedly the Russians are very big in that. Yeah. Yeah. See, look at all the, they're doing them a lot of good. Uh, years yeah. ago when I was on w, uh, KGRA um, with uh, Race Hobbs, we would call this guy in Arizona who was uh, known for uh, remote viewing. He had written a, a bunch of books on remote viewing. So, uh, one time, um, and, and he would call us from his basement. So one time he called, and um, no cameras back then. And I said, "I'm going to, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to imagine what your basement looks like." And I did, and I saw like a block pattern, you know. And I, I said to him, "Do you have like cement blocks in a pattern forming one wall?" He says no, but he did take a picture of the blanket on the couch, and it was in blocks. You know, and I know that was it. Just came to me, you know. Now, now that's going to happen. You know, I could have easily said circles. You know what I mean? So you you always hear about the ones that work, but if it's if you prove them statistically, then they exist, right? Am I right? Yeah. No. It 
That's actually uh, right, Mac. You you don't want to just be showing the ones that worked and not showing you the thousand that didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. What I saw immediately within a couple of days of taking this class at Farsight Institute back in uh, the 90s, you people were getting results. I was getting results that, that way exceeded what you'd expect from some sort of random process. I mean, mm-hmm. way off the charts, just way the ad, drawings and so forth, really too accurate to be something that was a random process. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see how the information was getting from the target picture to your paper, but somehow it was coming through, even if you weren't conscious of it. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's the information like you're describing, it's pretty subtle mm. and it, it's fleeting. Mm-hmm. That's why you need some training because normally we just discard those very transient thoughts. It's the opposite of our normal thinking process. It's not loud, persistent stuff. Yes. 3D technicolor. That tends to be imagination. It's just very fleeting and it just goes across your awareness and you're trained to write it down. Yep. And See, that's, that's the accurate data. That's very that's a that's a good way to describe when sometimes and it's happened, you know, a lot, you know, in my life, when a stray thought will just go through my mind, just boom. And then it comes true like two days later, you know what I mean? It's like, oh wow, I thought about that for like one second a day ago. That type of thing. And it's almost like if you can um kind of uh, be in command of that, if you're able to take advantage of just the stray thought that goes through your mind. I could see something like that happening, but what do you what do you think it is? Is is it what we're able to communicate between our brains or something? Or what well, the way our viewers think about it, have you know, seeing this issue, I mean, just these precognitive impressions we get, they many times turn out to be accurate. Right before they pull you over for the ticket, hmm. you get that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had it happen a whole bunch of times driving where I slowed down because I got that feeling. And yeah, yeah. All these deer were crossing. I couldn't have seen them at the time, but you got that sense. Or yeah. there, I, I once slowed down going into Seattle in a tunnel. I had this strong feeling to turn the radio off, pay attention. And I, there was a, a wreck happened. 30 seconds later, I saw it. Car mm. skid off and hit the side of it. I yeah. got that feeling. How did I know 30 seconds before? Yep. Maybe you could say, well, you saw subconsciously the car was loose. I don't know, whatever. What we believe is that we live in a multiverse where the future is already happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're programmed to follow our eyes and our ears because it's survival oriented. And that's usually what matters the most when you're on the savannah with predators is you got to focus on what's in front of you or you won't be around very long. But that doesn't mean you're not perceiving feedback from the future. And I'm convinced having seen all these RV sessions, thousands now since 1996, we're getting some feedback from the future and you're seeing that feedback picture, little glimpses of it ahead of time. And this has been proven with ARV, this system is designed to predict binary events, coin tosses or uh, you know, financial markets, things that are up and down. People have done experiments over a decade or even a couple months and have made good money showing us they could get 60% accurate predictions of just an up or down Damn. price Yes, event. Yeah, yeah. yeah and there's yeah. no way you're going to do that over 5,000 trials and hit 65% accuracy yep. if you're not getting feedback from the future. A guy named Greg Kolodzic from Canada did this by himself as an experiment. He had a better paying job, but he just wanted to do this to see. He made 150,000 or something like that over 13 oh, years. <laughs> just, uh, it, it's not a lot over 13 years if you think about it, but, but he was able to show that he got 65% accurate predictions of something like SP 500. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A week ahead of time. So that's proof positive. We're getting this feedback. So what we do in RV is train people to pay attention to that 
it's not what your brain usually does. It's usually mm. uh, pushing that information away. But Mac, I think you know, since you worked around musicians, Go ahead. I think good musicians are paying attention to this in a band with the notes. They kind of feel something's coming, a certain chord change. So, and then they're, they're grooving with it. I asked Ingo once, what makes a good RVer? He said, musicians, artists. Huh. Very kind of pay attention to that right brain signal. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. There's something more going on than this linear time reality that we feel like we're maybe even imprisoned by. We, we're getting more than that linear right uh, sequence. You, you know, you're uh, perceiving it. I think that's where Arby shows. When you when you, uh, you 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 write about musicians, there is some kind of a um, definitely like an unwritten language, not even a spoken language. When you see them playing, you know, and it could be the great jazz trio or just some garage band. You know, you're you're basically conducting yourselves. You know. And you got to be a little bit ahead of it, you know. Uh, that much I can see. But musicians are always really kind of dopey. You know what I mean? I hate to say it. <laughs> I know a lot of them, but you know they're not on time usually. Dopey because they're brilliant. Well, right? they, yeah. They, there's a whole lot of things they don't pay attention to. Yep, yep. Like money and time. And well, some uh, of those things that people pay attention to is uh, noise. Right. And yes, you, yeah. you don't think it's noise, but it is. And it. it it clouds the perspective and it clouds the creativity yeah, yeah, and yeah. then probably clouds the ability to uh, remote view. Yeah. Yeah. I just, forget I try and remote view what Keith Richards is doing on any given moment. <laughs> oh, wow. You might not want to know. And based... <laughs> I don't want to know. He might but not have his teeth. He's, uh, he's in his garden. He's, uh, he's planting peaches or something. And, I'm sure you know, he is. That's what he, that's what he's doing. He's not, uh, Working on a new riff, the riffs just come to him. You don't right. have to work on it; he just comes to him. I yeah. just try and figure out what's the guy doing right now. Let's see; it's six o'clock in the afternoon. He's hmm. asleep. What do you think he's doing? <laughs> no, unless he's probably out partying at some nightclub. Okay, he's probably living. That's one guy. You know, someone said to him. I've said it before. They said, "Now nah, you've been in rock and roll, you know, sixty years now. You know what a journey. It must have been a tough life." He goes, "Tough life. I've been a rock star since I've been nineteen. I've had everything given to me, you know, look, right. at, look at where I live and, you know, what I've done, you know. So if you make it, it's not a struggle. Anyway. Well, I actually, I have an interesting Madonna story since we're talking about musicians. Oh, please. Let's hear it. Yeah. So I was told this because I spent a lot of time there investigating crop circles. It, it actually came out of remote viewing. Okay. Uh, we had a target like a crop circle and I just got curious and went over there the next summer and I was fascinated by the weird things that happened around them. For real. You know, okay. Go ahead. Watches stopping and batteries failing and cameras going on. The it was really cool. So sort okay. of non-ordinary electromagnetic fields. So we used to go down to Salisbury to visit Salisbury Cathedral. Oh, yeah. The old, oldest, biggest cathedral in Europe, really, I think. Uh, still, to, I think, yeah, biggest or oldest or one, one of those two. Uh, huge. And someone told me this story that Madonna had lived not too far away from Salisbury, somewhere in that area. Hmm. She's the only person in British history to have a right of way abolished by her house. There were these, when you go to the UK, there are these public paths yes. that yep. precede modern development. They're right. thousands of years old. Yeah, yeah. And the law says they uh, have right of way over private property. Yes. So you, you have these maps and they're these beautiful paths and they go right through like people's homes, I mean, the yards and yeah, they yeah. go through villages and no one can tell you to leave. It's public right of way. It's kind of, we don't have it in the U S it's yeah. really kind of cool. Um, they, tr they precede modern development. They're from the, the, the Roman empire or something like this, right. maybe even yeah. Celtic. So they, so 
apparently the story was there were these paparazzi taking pictures of Madonna on one of these public right-of-ways right near her home, and it was really annoying to her. Okay. I'm told. Annoying. I, I can't prove that. I was told it's true, and she went to a local Sounds court, true. the Salisbury yep. area court, and had it abolished. Wow. The right-of-way turned into her private property. At and I was told she's the only person in British history who was able to do that. See, at some point, though, and this is really gets me about celebrities, okay? And the bigger they are, the, the, the more up they are i'm sorry okay why can't someone sit her down and go listen listen the, the that might be a good idea okay but the fallout we will get from this is going to outweigh a, a, a bunch of you know knuckleheads out there with cameras you know move uh, and you know what i mean if, if you have the, you know they don't understand it they don't understand they don't understand like the public ramification but that being said, she's still around. I don't like her. I don't think she's a nice person, you know. But to stay in the biz as long as she has, you got to get something. You know, something's going for you. Maybe she has Nick, uh, RV. Go ahead. Did you see she got injured a week ago on stage? Really? She a How? dancer dropped her. Dropped her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of those. I, I haven't heard another thing. There was a flip on the TV news one night. Hmm. That he dropped her and she was injured. Really? Never heard another word. Maybe she paid someone off to. He's probably drunk. Keep yeah. her quiet, but yeah, yeah she's yeah. out on out on tour. Out, yeah, yeah, out on tour. Still doing it for some reason. She looks terrible. She had terrible, terrible plastic surgery, and um, I don't know. But the longevity of it is something. Hey, listen, you're gonna. Hey, Sim, you want to hang around with us for a while? Yeah, I can. Okay. I can give you another. 45 minutes. That's all we need. You know who Admiral Byrd was? Not Larry Byrd. Admiral Byrd. Admiral yeah. Byrd. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Mac, him. before yes. we go on break, I, we okay. talked to Sim about before the show about uh, who he looked like if he resembled Oh, we got to do that now. Any, yes, go ahead. Simeon, we do this to most of our guests. Go ahead. We try to look at them and try to say, who do they resemble? Yeah, but he, yes, go and ahead. I just thought about it. You, you look, you remind me, anyways, of David Carradine. <laughs> you know the Carradine brothers? Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, 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 yeah he does. You know what happened to him, right? Is that another show? You know how he died, David Carradine? It's another show. No. Otto Asphyxia. He died Otto, in the closet. Died in the closet oh, with a belt around him. So I didn't know the blast. It was a hot day. Anyway, but. Well, sorry I brought it up. That's Susan. okay. You know, it's entertaining. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jeff Goldblum, but that's fine. Jeff Goldblum. No, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you no. tall as uh, Jeff? He, he looks another like... another actor, another actor I get confused with. I about. see a handsomer version, a very much more handsome version than Steve Buscemi. Buscemi, I've heard <laughs> okay. that. I've heard there that. is a compliment yeah. in there somewhere. You know, he's not, you know, Brad Pitt. Anyway, listen, thank you, Susan. Thank you very much. So, um, but talking to the Buscemi movies, is Fargo. Yeah, he's good. He's a good guy, and um, he was the first guy at nine eleven. You know, he was a volunteer fireman. He was like at nine eleven. That guy. Am I talking about the right guy? He was in Fargo, right? He's in the Sopranos. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an interesting guy. That guy has a life outside of you know being an actor, being a dopey actor. Anyway, talk about dopey actors. So, so listen. So, Sim, you're in a movie. Yes. Please tell us. Yeah. Okay. We're a radio show, but Flash what? Flash of Beauty. Are we in a break now? Or are we going to talk a little bit? No, we're going to talk a little bit right Flash now. Flash of okay, Beauty, so, Paranormal Big. So here's the deal, guys. Okay. I then. teach remote viewing in Boulder. I've had a lot of students from Colorado. Go 20 ahead. years ago, they started talking about Bigfoot. Yes. It isn't something I had encountered. I didn't even believe really it was something that mattered very much. This was a very rare gorilla or ape. Go ahead. Why was I wrong? 
I did an investigation and there are a lot of people who have seen these creatures. And I recently did a book about it called Dark Matter Monsters Dark because Matter. people get the same effects we saw around crop circles, batteries, cameras. You're not going to get that from an escaped gorilla. Hmm. It's hmm. got to be some other creature that's interdimensional like we're talking about with RV Something. because no one ever finds them. yet. When they have those encounters, they don't want to go back in the woods. And I've listened to hundreds and read hundreds and thousands of encounters and talked to people. I've been to five Bigfoot conferences in the Northwest since last May. Go ahead. In 2023. I talked to tons of people, including a Native American whose grandfather traded with Bigfoot from the Spokane tribe. Cool. As recently as 1913, salmon yes. for medicinal herb. Like they saw them as a type of What would human. they get? What would the what would the Bigfoot give them? Stock tips? Medicinal. Medicinal herbs. Okay. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. And I've talked to people that have seen them go invisible. Mm -hmm. You name it. It's real. You do and hear it's that. It's not yeah. well understood and it's certainly not talked about. Well, the people that were right creating this movie, A Flash of Beauty, Paranormal Bigfoot, um, decided to put me in their film. They approached you. Uh, go ahead. You, they approached you to star in the film, correct? Well, I didn't know that I was going to have such a lead role, but they liked my perspective, which yes. is that essentially crop circles did all sorts of weird damage to our cameras and batteries and equipment. Okay. So it must be a non-ordinary electromagnetic field. Something, yep. Or akin to what you see at a rock concert or something when everyone's really grooving and the vibe's going. It's mm -hmm. like reinforcing. It's like this reinforcing sound wave. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know if you've been in a concert where that's happening, there's a feeling there. Definitely, yes. I felt that yep. Bigfoot must be taking advantage of that type of sound frequency or cavitation or something and creating non-ordinary electromagnetic effects mm -hmm. uh, like the crop circles. And I wrote this book, which has, by the way, been at the top of the charts for over 18 months in nice. the electromagnetic theory category. Dark Matter Monsters, yes. On Amazon for over a year and a half. I sometimes it's number one, even like last week. That's Incredible. cool. Very cool. People me... are kind of digging this sort of electromagnetic because people get around Bigfoot and they they can't start the car. Hmm. They're, I've, I've talked to witnesses, the battery's drained, and they're kind of saying, where have I seen this before? I have seen this before. It was in the UK in those crop circles. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. some in the US. So I figured out that there must be some sort of energetic like fractal electromagnetics kind right. of extension of maxwellian electromagnetics happening and the producers of this film uh, a flash of beauty uh -huh. paranormal bigfoot by the way it's a sequel their first film was bigfoot revealed flash of beauty these are both on amazon flash okay. of beauty bigfoot revealed okay and then but in talking to those witnesses in the first film they, they didn't know about this they said wow weird things happened when i was around the creature yes. i had a loss of time yes um the, you know, my batteries drained. I had this weird feeling, premonitions before it happened, a couple hours. Yeah, yeah, funny. Invisibility yeah. orbs. Orbs, yeah. The same orbs, types yeah. of orbs I've seen around crop circles, people okay. see around okay. Bigfoot and these other types of, we call them cryptids. Sim. You probably have them in Massachusetts. I'm sure. They're in every state. Now, here's the thing about this. Sociologist. Yes, people do not talk about their encounters very much. They right. are scared of being criticized ostracized by neighbors or sure. employers or ridiculed but they're seeing these creatures and once you start they, these people come to the conferences i've talked to them yes. they will talk to you yes yep. they may not want you to put them in a book yes they want to tell their story and i think a lot of people have encountered this just like ufos i think there's types of creatures and animals out there that we've never talked about we don't even have names for them and you know when people see them it can be pretty scary i, I agree there's 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 Things out there that, you know, haven't been recorded and so on and so forth. Let me ask you this, though. Let me ask this about the movie, okay? Yeah. 
And now I'm not probably not the first person to ask this. Did you keep your clothes on? Was it tasteful? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's X-rated, guys. You got it. I'm not <laughs> oh, even better. Yes. No, no. It's, <laughs> okay. We uh, we filmed this right at WSU in mm-hmm. front of the library, and this was the cool thing. There was a guy named Grover Krantz who was one of the first academics ever to study Bigfoot in the '80s. Yes, yes. He, he thought it was a relic ape of some sort that had crossed the Bering Strait, and he said mm. maybe he just, as a side thought, maybe Gigantopithecus blackie. He was one floor up from me in sociology mm. and friends of mine knew him and I wasn't the least bit interested at the time in those topics. So I probably could have met him and gone over to hung out with him. He was a big, even so for someone like him, just in anthropology to say that this was real. Yeah. And yeah. Not a yeah. Figment of people, Interesting. It was a big step. Yeah. Yeah. Even just to argue it's an undiscovered primate, but yep. I don't think it's an undiscovered primate. No, no. Having talked to these witnesses, they describe it as very close to human, but not quite. Yeah, yes, yes. They always say they have human paranormal inabilities, ability to shape shift, and uh, uh, yeah. sort of wink around your peripheral vision, like blink in and out. It's really hmm. strange. People have driven through where they've been. They said it was like going through like turbulence in an airplane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they Interesting. Can li- I know this sounds to people listening. Though. Really, yeah, they can literally disappear and go into, I don't know, another dimension. I, I haven't gone with them. I don't know what it is, but this is real. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. as real as the so many people have seen UFOs. Them. And I yeah. guess it's not surprising to listeners of this show that it's not just UFOs or something from out there right? that's visiting that's strange. There are things here on the planet, maybe they've been here longer than we have, yes. that are not very visible most of the time. And occasionally people out in the woods or even the deserts encounter them. I've talked to witnesses. Mm-hmm. The orbs, the glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. The eyes seem to turn on. Yes. Turn Red, on. green, yellow. They illuminate light like an infrared mm. illuminator on, on a night vision or something. They're really interesting and very elusive creatures. But but they exist because a lot of people have seen them. Exist. People report the telepathic mind speak before. And this is in the, parent of the new movie, Paranormal Bigfoot. Yes. Uh, they report telepathic mind speak, telling them to put their gun away. Oh, really? Yeah. Why do you have a gun? They get interrogated. Why do you have a gun? Go get a beer. You know, these these creatures are out there with their other creature members, families. Right. They don't really want violence. Right, for the right, most part. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they, they, they can talk to you in your home to ask you. People have said they tried to get me to come outside. Sometimes people do go outside. No, no, no. no. And Don't they hear that. this sort of. It's close to our speech, but it's telepathic. I'm, I'm, I'm in a yeah, radio stu- station here, all by myself. Right, a haunted radio station. Okay, so I appreciate what you're saying. I really do. I'll listen to the show when I get home. Thank you, Sim. But you're gonna hang with us, right? What's the name of the movie yeah, yeah. again? Paranormal Bigfoot. A Flash of Beauty, Paranormal Bigfoot. It's mm-hmm. on Vimeo and Amazon. It's one of the top-ranked documentaries on Amazon cool. right now. And it, believe me, I'm not just saying it because I'm in it. Yes. There are some witnesses in there that are going to blow your mind. Yes, yes. These aren't people that believe in this stuff, but they saw it. They saw the invisibility. Mm-hmm. There are some witnesses that literally saw these creatures turn into orbs really? in yes. front of them. They couldn't believe what they'd seen, but there were a couple of them. They all saw the same thing. So yes. Wow, huh? It's real. On that we weren't. Note. Oh, Taught I, this in New York, but sorry, but, it's real. They didn't teach us a lot of stuff. I believe you, right? Uh, but you learned a lot of other stuff that uh, turns out to be valuable. Talk about valuable. Yep. Why don't we do this? Thank Why don't you. we take a commercial breakdown and really calm down and get a breath of fresh air and 
Maybe something you sip on, and then we'll be back. You're listening to McMillan's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Please stay tuned. My dad, he's a double amputee, and uh, he's one of my favorite people in the world. To me, a hero is someone who fights for our country and freedom. My dad is a hero. Homes for our troops built this house, and my dad can get through the wide doorways. He can reach anything. Homes for our troops builds and donates specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post-9-11 veterans and enables them to rebuild their lives. Join our mission at hfotusa.org. my mute so fast it just didn't happen. <laughs> wow. wow. Oh. Is that the guy who was just talking about bad timing? Like 10 seconds before yeah. that? All right, here we go. 210, 210, 210. Here we go, 210. Five seconds. Here we go. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maroney's Miltrax on show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maroney. Wow, what a show we have for you tonight. Very quickly, let me introduce you to the indicted, soon-to-be-indicted co-conspiracies. Girls, one one is here. JJ, cross the pot. Hello, Mac. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It's been a good one. Very interesting. Yeah, okay. Well, if you say. You got a doctor in the house. He's pretty sharp. We need one, yes. Uh, also <laughs> with us is uh, Switchblade Steve Ward, Switchy. A national correspondent on West Virginia. How are you doing? Uh, I am beyond wonderful. Are you enjoying yourself tonight? I, I, I am beside myself. Beside yourself and uh, beyond wonderful. Interesting. Yeah. Also with us, uh, Security Chief Willie Club, who is one of the other, not both, I'm going to guess. Willie, how are you doing? You know, Mac, I'm doing great. Hi, hi Mac. Hi, everyone. I, I agree. It's a very interesting show tonight. A lot of different uh, directions that we're going in. Uh, uh-huh. Makes us think a lot, doesn't so it? So well, we didn't want to do that. That's unintentional. But listen, were, were, were there any any chuckles at all in the top 11 reasons why club won't be joining the Patriots at all? Does anything stick out in your mind? Nothing at all. I, I just, okay. I just <laughs> wow. <laughs> think you need some new writers. Point blank. Okay. Uh, well, you know me. I'm just biased against the I, top 10. Ever since Johnny Carson, you know, no one's been able to, uh, yeah, that's to come David, up with a top 10 like David that. I think Letterman. that was David Letterman. David Letterman, but that's okay. No, no, didn't Johnny Carson do it first? Oh, maybe. I don't think so. But David Letterman. Well, anyways. Yes. He, he, uh, did, the, Mac, he did Karnak. Karnak. I know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I know, Mac, that you, you probably take it personal, but, you know, I, I, I try to be honest. You ask me a question, and I don't. Okay. You want to candy coat anything? I know how. Don't you ever feel about do that. Person. Yes, don't ever. We, the last thing we need is something candy coated here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> anyway, like, especially with like, all those uh, snacks that Club yeah, has over right, his yes. house. Yeah, in, yeah. in with Switchy's M and M's. Sugar overload. Speaking about M and M's, I don't know why I'd say that. Uh, super fan Susan K is with us. Susan, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, <laughs> just. We're good, happy to be here. Living, Having a great time. Thanks. Living the dream. Okay. Wow. Now you've done really? this. You've done this more than a few times. It's got to be really kind of nutty, right? When you think about it. 
Um, nutty in a great way, yeah. Okay, wow. That's what Lois said to me the other day, as it turns out. Look, we also have a special guest. <laughs> Pulling out in a great way. Dr. Simeon Hine is with us, and we're going to clap him on only because he has a PhD. PhD. What a, I mean, how long did it take you? How long did it take you to, you know, once you entered college, what's it, about six, seven years anyway, right? You got a PhD? My, my PhD was seven. Seven, yeah? Hmm. Uh, seven, including masters. Yes, and, right. Uh, my, my, I had a girlfriend who used to call it post hole digger. I, I dug <laughs> a lot of post holes. Yeah, her. yeah, yeah. I uh, went uh, 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 rural property, not far from WSU. So post hole digger. Uh, that's, okay. But it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of writing, a lot of studying, a lot of taking tests. It does. And it does. You got to do something. I mean, mm. you know, it's yeah. uh, everyone chooses a path in life, and you know, it just seems like mm. I, I just came from a background, you know, where education was important. Yes. Um, yeah. Sure. And, um, <laughs> Me too. Get on the bus in the morning. Get off at three. You're cool. That's the education process. In Boston, right. but but <laughs> I, 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 I'll I'll say this though. Um, I went as far as masters, as you know, one one. I went to film school, and you went to oh. film school. I got my master's degree yeah. at film school now. So I go there for three years, three years working for this masters, right? And it's great. I mean, for two years, I did nothing but watch movies, man. I mean, lots and lots of movies. It's super. The end. The last day I'm there, I get down to get signed out. And they made you pay twenty five bucks, you know, exit fee, one of these things. So I'm glad to pay them. You know, this little old lady behind the desk says, uh, and I, I filled out a form, all of the subjects you took. She goes, "You can't get a master's degree in filmmaking." I go, "Why?" She says, "You didn't take a language." I said, "No one said anything <laughs> to me about taking a freaking language." You know, nope, sorry, we can't give it to you. And so I'm standing there saying, "You got to be kidding me!" So I says, "What do you got?" What what kind of degree do you have that doesn't take languages? So she goes, a master's of speech. And I went, I'll take it. So I do have a degree from film school, but it's a degree in speech, if you can believe that. Anyway, really? Master- yeah, that, wow. that killed four minutes. Cool. So anyway, so, so Sim, <laughs> a hats off to you for becoming a doctor. Do people ever come up to you and ask you for painkillers and, you know, additional pot and stuff like that? No, 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 it's Doctor of Philosophy. That's okay, it. well, you know, that's details, man. All right, so anyway, look, at, thanks for joining yeah. us today. We really appreciate it. No, no, and I don't go around calling myself Doctor. That's kind of arrogant. Yeah, that is. You're I agree with you. Call though. yourself that anyway. It's really a title that people are supposed to, they can introduce you that way. You never call yourself that. If you ever hear on someone calling himself Doctor so-and-so, I mean, they're full of BS. Yes. No. You, you ever see right the, away. Ever see the movie? You're to yourself. Not the- unless you're a medical doctor. I'm talking to anyone with a PhD. If they go around calling themselves doctor so-and-so, well, oh, come on, give me a break. That's for an introduction like when I'm on a show and you introduce me that way just as a way of, you know, qualifying me to be a guest on your show. But you don't – it's not yes. – you're not allowed to call yourself a doctor unless you're a real medical doctor. Medical doctor. doctor. Right. I agree with you there. Okay, <laughs> so I never – I never – I don't – I almost get into the movie Eyes Wide Shut because – as we know, 42 times in that awful, awful movie, Tom Cruise says, I'm a doctor. Because no one in the whole freaking universe would believe this guy would be a doctor. <laughs> All right? 42 times he says it. But you're right. If you're a medical doctor, it makes a difference. It does make a difference. There's no doubt about it. You know, 
Yeah, yeah people might need to call you on an airplane. Right. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Anyway. So um, from doctors to admirals, how about that? Switch. We're going to put in your bumper right here. And now it's time for another story from the lost annals of the paranormal. It's time for Steve Ward's report from the fringe. Switch, what do you have for us tonight? Well, the, the fringe report tonight is about this alleged secret diary of Admiral Byrd. And we start out with a book called The Hollow Earth by Dr. Raymond Bernard. Uh, and that came out about 1964. Now, his real name was Walter Sigmeister. And he wrote this book about uh, the Earth being hollow and, and flying saucers coming in and out of the Earth. It turns out that some of this information he actually got from Ray Palmer. Ray Palmer, the, the editor of Amazing Stories, the, the one that promoted the Shaver mystery and the Maury Island incident. Palmer really got on this uh, hollow Earth kick and that the, the poles were, uh, uh, were, were, hot, were holes in, in the North and South Pole. And uh, he wrote, oh, they wrote all kinds of stuff about, uh, attributed to, to Admiral Byrd, things he's supposed to have said. Now, this book, Raymond Bernard, the blurb goes, the underground world of supermen discovered by Admiral Byrd under the North Pole and kept secret by the U.S. government. Well, it turns out that the source of some of these things that are, are, are attributed to Admiral Byrd come from another uh, author, Amadeo Giannini, who wrote a book called Beyond the Poles. And this is, uh, he was not a flat earther. He was not a hollow earther. A, a little more about that later. His, his views were just really, really bizarre. But anyway, that seems to be where uh, uh, some of these uh, 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 things that Adam Bird is supposed to have said about journeying beyond the pole and uh, actually uh, seeing mountains and lakes and uh, spotting a living man mammoth and all that stuff seems to maybe have been generated by, by this person. Now, uh, apparently, Bird did say something like, uh, I'd like to see that land beyond the pole. The area beyond the pole is the center of the great unknown. Well, a lot of it has been attributed to that. That could be just something very poetic. Now, the the, the hollow earth idea uh, is uh, now that there were there were actually uh, uh, books written uh, 1906. Uh, William Reed, the Phantom of the Poles. He believed again in the hollow earth, the crust was so thick and uh, uh, it was hollow on the inside. And they, they called it the Phantom of the Poles because there really was no North and South Pole. There were these huge openings. And if you were on the edge of this opening, you couldn't even see the other side. Marshall B. Gardner in 1913 wrote, A Journey to Earth's Interior. Or have the poles been discovered? And he describes this journey into this, this hollow earth. And these people really believed that this was the case. Now, uh, the, uh, the thing is that, well, uh, the best way to illustrate the idea of the hollow earth is to talk about Edgar Rice Burroughs. Of course, he's known for Tarzan and John Carter of Mars. He had different, a lot of different really uh, fun fantasy and science fiction series. And one of them was called Pellucidar. And in which David Innes and Abner Perry, Abner Perry was the inventor of the Iron Mole, the prospector. 
and they, they, they're supposed to be looking for uh, uh, minerals and, and so forth. And they go into the earth and something happens where they, they can't deflect the nose of the prospector. And for some reason, they can't turn it off. Apparently, they didn't install any circuit breakers in this darn thing. So they, they think they're going to go to the eternal fires in, in the center of the core. And they actually come up on land. And what it is now, the whether whether it's Edgar Rice Burroughs or these guys that were serious about this, the the theory was that the Earth's crust was like 400 to maybe 800 miles thick mm. all the way around. So the center of gravity was right in the center of that. So if you were walking on the inside of the Earth, it would be like walking in the bottom of a bowl. And instead of the horizon line disappearing like a line, right. it would actually slightly curve up and then disappear into the haze. Mm. So, and, and, and Burroughs, Burroughs books are, are just, there's a lot of fun. I mean, you, you, they get there, there's, there's cave people, yes. there's a, a, a cave big babe named Dean the Beautiful, which of course David Innes falls for. There's dinosaurs, there's these lizard people, which are really nasty, Dave. and it's, it's really a fun ride. Yes. Uh, now, back to Admiral Byrd. Uh, the uh, uh, Switchy, let me ask you. Really, what's that? Yes. Let me ask you something. So, was he at the time? So, he was an admiral in the U.S. Navy, right? Yeah. And was he an admiral at the time, or were they just calling him? Were they just calling I, him? I, admiral? You know, I believe he was, but yeah. I'm not absolutely and, sure. And why did he go down there in the first place? Did, just to explore stuff? Well, he was. It was the idea of he wanted. I think he wanted to conquer both poles, the North and South Pole, okay. which had hadn't been done before. And, and there's it. even some controversy, which is another story, as to whether or not he actually made it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but that's a that's okay. a little controversy. That's what he was doing now, down there. That's what he's doing down there. Go ahead, please. Switch. According to Jeff Douglas, uh, this 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 diary that uh, this this secret diary that surfaced, uh, he doesn't know for sure how long this thing had been in existence. Uh, some people trace it back to uh, 1970. Captain Tiwani Monaka Shush. <laughs> he know. was the head of the Society for a Complete Earth. Uh, and, uh, okay, that's just one of the ways that they trace it back. Now, this Giannini again, who wrote that the book, The Land Beyond the Poles, uh, he, he's the one, again, that, that attributed all these uh, things to Admiral Byrds. Now, he he actually thought that, again, not a hollow earth or a flat earth, that the earth extended and curved up. The stars lay on the surface of this vast area, which curved upward and, and then actually circled over the planet and it's like we were in the in the center of this hollow universe somehow, this this concave universe. I mean, talk about being out there. Now, Douglas says this diary was uh, circulating a, a, a lot longer than Giannini's 1959 book. He thinks it went way back, and it's one of these things that was kind of underground. It was copied and recopied, and uh, and you know the the actual diary itself. When you when you read it, it's been reproduced a few times. It reads like the worst science fiction from Amazing Stories of the 40s. Now, Amazing Stories had some good science fiction and some good authors. Yes. But, man, some of it was awful. Terrible, yes. yes. And so this is supposed to have taken place around February 19th. This is going to be a key later on. February 19th, 1947. And it starts out, I must write this diary in secrecy and obscurity. Yes, of course. There comes a time when, when the rationality of men must fade into insignificance, and one must accept 
the inevitability of the truth. Wow, wow. Okay. So it talks about, you know, uh, uh, radio reception normal and oh, 1900 hours. He starts noticing this yellowish and purplish color below uh, oh, 0949. He sees a mountain range he's never seen before. And then a green valley beyond the mountain range. Mm. And so, then he can't see the sun, implying that he's gone over the lip of this, this big hollow opening. And, it, and the other thing is the... Uh, the people, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, to the, the people that wrote these books, like James Churchward, yes, yes. they believed it was some kind of a central sun. Hmm. And uh, Burroughs kind of made it believable where it, it sounded like it was more like the, the molten core of the Earth uh, suspended in the, in the globe, which gave off heat and light. Yes, so yes. This, uh, the, the theories all gave some kind of a central sun to the inside of the Earth. And uh, at 1030... Uh, uh, He's uh, it says the temperature is 74 degrees and he sees a large animal and he is shocked. It's a mammoth. It's a living mammoth walking on the on the ground. So then all of a sudden at 1130, his aircraft controls fail to respond. Strange aircraft are closing in on him, disc shaped with swastikas on them. A voice breaks through his radio and uh, with a German accent. And he says, welcome, Admiral. We will land you in seven minutes. So these guys have a some kind of a tractor beam or something way before Star Trek. And uh, they, uh, he, they, they land his ship and it lands softly. And then they are, he and his navigator are taken cordially by these tall, blonde-haired dudes uh, on a flying platform with no wheels. And you see what I mean about bad uh, amazing story science fiction they go to a crystal city bird is taken to a building down an elevator uh, to an audience with the master the master has these delicate features uh the etchings of years are on his face and he's one of these wise deal and of course what what do you think that he tells admiral bird it sounds very much like some of the uh, early contactee stories and the warnings about uh, using, uh, you know, nuclear power and nuclear weapons. And they, they, that's that's the whole deal. It says, you know, you must uh, go back and uh, uh, and tell the uh, uh, tell everybody that they must end the this kind of a uh, uh, this this path that they're on. And but here's Mac. Here's the killer. Go ahead. In February 1947, Admiral Byrd was on the other side of the planet. He was part of something called Operation High Jump okay. at the South Pole. Wrong pole. Wrong pole. <laughs> well, hey, there's details, man. Okay, so this, this guy got he he got the pole wrong. He get he was at the exact opposite end of the that's, earth. That's the the date. The, oh, the, the cool. date of this alleged diary has always been. That bird was at the North Pole when, in fact, an Operation High Jump. I guess it's another story. There, yeah. some suggestion that they were there to to seek out the uh, so-called uh, a supposed Nazi base. Yeah, huh. and I don't know how much truth there is to that. None. But uh, very interesting that uh, Admiral Bird was actually on the other side of the planet. Here's the thing: is you know, and this gets me because you do hear this every once in a while. Not as much as you used to, but um, you used to hear it every once in a while not too long ago, where there were people on the air, they would come on, they would try to get on our show as guests, they wrote books, made movies and lectures, saying that the Nazis really had all these super weapons during World War II, and they had, you know, 
UFOs. They had flying saucers, flying saucers, you know, shot down our bombers, and they have a secret base in Antarctica, and they know these space aliens, and space aliens were giving them help and so on and so forth. And all you have to do is say, if this is true, why did they lose the war? Okay, if you have, you know what I mean? If you have, like, help from some planet somewhere, if you have UFOs, if you have the anti-grav device, how do you lose the war? You know, it's just this bullshit that people, they don't want to, you know, I don't want to get into history now, but they don't want to, there are certain faction of people who don't want to, you know, understand, uh, to absorb the obvious, okay? And some things are just obvious, and it's obvious that the Nazis didn't have extraterrestrial help during World War II, and the last year of the war, they were building their jet airplane cockpits out of plywood, okay? That's how low in resources they were. They certainly didn't have enough resources for an anti-grav, you know, fleet of anti-grav aircraft. But anyway, uh, uh, Switchy, thank you. Are you at the end, or did I interrupt you? Yeah, that, that's it. That was the, okay. the, the big finish, was that uh, okay. the Admiral was nowhere to be seen at the North Pole. Wow. I now have listen. a question Go for ahead, Switch. please. Go yes. ahead, before, before he leaves. Before he leaves. Um, when you... Uh, read about Bird, did he ever reference, as do you know, in any of his writings, anything about this whole conspiracy, I'd call it, with the Nazis and Antarctica, you know, as Mac mentioned, is, is he ever, you know, because he lived to what, 1957, still so around, he was yeah. around for a while after the war. But. Yep. He, he may well have later, but the, the areas that I was going over, it, it, there wasn't any mention of it. So no. he's never mentioned it? You well, he, he might have might have later. That might be something beyond my uh, my knowledge. But uh, yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, it's very unlikely that the Nazis had any kind of a base down in Antarctica because even now, to get to keep the places that are down there now, to keep them resupplied and stuff like that, is a massive fun, a, a kind of a logistics effort. You know, they couldn't do this. After World War II, after they just got their asses kicked all over the place, okay? And there's another thing, too, is that someone did a study on the various submarines that the German Navy had, and they had mostly U-boats. But they did build kind of large boats that could go long distances, and a couple of them did, like, make it to Japan and back and stuff like that. But there was only, like, two or three of them. They sunk them, and there's no way that any sub could leave Germany and get to Argentina, for instance, or the South Pole. Anyway, but thank you, Switch. And you know what? I just got a text from Switch, and he said, please clap for me. Okay, so... <laughs> that, that That's all right. I appreciate it. Okay. But what, my, my, what I find so fascinating about it is all these different ideas over the years about what's inside the Earth. I remember my basic geology 101 uh, was a uh, seismic waves and pulse waves. Yes. They can send through the Earth, and they know how they react to the substances in the Earth, and that's how they've determined the Earth's crust and the mantle and the core and all that sort of thing. So it would suggest that the Earth, as as cool as Pellucidar is, and, and as great it would be to be hanging around with uh, cave babes and dodging dinosaurs and evil uh, uh, lizard people, uh, I don't think it's hollow. It, it, um, I'll, I'll stick. I'll stick with Edgar Rice Burroughs, though. The um, and in the movie um, Journey to the Center of the Earth, Jules Verne originally made it, but there was a cool movie like in the late fifties, early sixties, and um, eighteen sixty, I think. Was it really? Pat Boone was in it. Pat Boone is yep. in it, and uh, James Mason. James Mason. Yep. Arlene Dahl. Yeah, and um, Arlene Dahl, beautiful. Wow, we. Wow, she was up to. And, 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 uh, <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, I know. And then they had some. <laughs> but but it was actually a really cool movie. Other than the fact that, yeah. I mean, But basically, is that they go, they get there, and they come back. I mean, that's that's the adventure. But what they find down there is almost close to what you're 
talking about. They'd be like an inner sun, and the horizon would look right. different, and that kind of stuff. You know. Well, in in the novel, uh, they they don't make it to the center of the Earth. Something happens where yeah. there there's an obstruction, and they uh, they set uh, dynamite or something like to blow it out of the way, <laughs> and something happens where they get. Uh, <laughs> Vern was 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 wild. He they get. Uh, they're actually going up the chimney of a volcano. Yeah, in the movie but too. There, there's water. There, there's lava down there. But but because of the they were close to this uh, this underground ocean, there's water in between the lava and the raft that they're on, so yes. that they're safe. And then they get they don't get blown out of the top of a volcano like in the movie, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. They actually go through one of the rivulets at, at the side, Ooh. which made it kind of believable. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they actually don't make it to the center of the earth. And uh, great great story though. Vern yeah, yeah, was, uh, yeah, yeah. Was a great storyteller. They went down. They went down the volcano in Iceland, and they popped out and out of one in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Very cool, yeah. Anyway, I think it's time, Switchy, to put up the oh, image time. Okay. of the train smashing into the station. I want <laughs> to right. thank everybody, generally and indiv individually. There it is. Okay. Dr. Simeon Hine, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. Friend of Steve Howe, thank right? You, doctor. You're an acquaintance of Steve Howe, the great guitar player, correct? Huh. Can't get it. Yeah, yeah and I there wanted to say that... Uh, the only thing I know about the center of the earth is Rick Wakeman's album. Saw it live. Saw it played live. That was a that was a really good album. Yeah, too. yeah, live with some the orchestra. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really well done yeah. production. Back uh, in the seventies, Osborne was on there, and yeah. I kept thinking about it because he has all these, you know, it's Jules Verne story. And right, and, and Bernard Herrmann did the incredibly atmospheric soundtrack for the movie. For the movie, yeah, the movie was very cool. I saw Rick Wakeman the other day. He was um, doing the other uh, day. Yeah, I mean on on YouTube, okay. And uh, yeah, no, he's been touring. He, he's he, been touring. He, he tours. He tours with this kind of band, and he comes out. And you know, you always used to wear the cape and stuff. I used to thought think he was really cool, and he is kind of a cool guy in a way. But now it looks like he's nine months pregnant, and it's time to get him to the hospital. Yeah. It's like he's put on some weight. Oh, wow. What's wrong with this guy? I mean, come on, someone wrote. He says maybe he should wear the cape on backwards. But he's always telling these jokes, you know. He's he's like in England. He has comedy shows and stuff. And he said, uh, you know, I got to, this friend of mine called me. And he says, I'm telling you, my wife is trying to kill me. She's trying to kill me. He says, oh, I, uh, I said, you're crazy. Why would you say that? What's the evidence? He goes, I can't tell you right now, but you know, she's trying to poison me. She's trying to poison me every day. I think so. He goes, hey, listen, listen, let me talk to her. So he says, put her on the phone. He says, after three hours of talking to her, my friend got back on the phone. I said to him, take the poison. <laughs> not bad right and then they played starship trooper so anyway so um doesn't rick wakeman didn't he have an interview show or something yeah like he that? had like a yeah yeah he had a show called grumpy old men he, it was like an interview show you know over yeah. there he's well known over there you know he's known over here mostly as a uh, musician anyway thank you sim thanks for joining us we appreciate thanks, it. really appreciate it. what's the name of the movie again the movie is uh paranormal, paranormal bigfoot Paranormal Bigfoot. I'd say it one more time. I stepped on you. What's the name of the movie again? Here it is. A Flash of Beauty, Paranormal Bigfoot. Yes. And yours truly is in it. Wow. Talking about my ideas for dark matter, life forms. Yes. Yes. So that's... It's a lot of fun. I think you'll enjoy it. You just see the preview. Mm. Uh, you'll see what. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. see them invisible. It's fascinating. So, yeah. 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 Where can people see it? Where can they buy it? Go on Amazon, get it, buy it. Yeah, you can buy it or watch it on Amazon or Vimeo. Cool. And oh, it's that's in more platforms soon. But those. Two. How long did it take you to film it? How, I mean, you're in it. You're the star. I mean, did it take? No, it? I, I'm just. They just came out to Pullman, Washington, 
yes. area for a day. They, the, the film crew is based in Portland. They came out. We filmed it in a day. Okay. You know, they have a lot of other people in the film, yes. too. And yes. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun and a very open-minded bunch. I thought it's it's – I've seen the movie a bunch of times. And it's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Very informative. And uh, it'll open up your mind about what we're dealing with out there in the woods. Are you happy mm. with your performance? Are you happy with your performance? I'd say so. Yeah, I was really? fairly coherent. Okay. <laughs> <I think. laughs> That's good. Sentences held together. The grammar was okay. Oh, that's good. That's important. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, I just, you guys know me. I, it's like this. They asked me questions and I shared some ideas. Yep. And it's great doing it right across from where Grover Krantz, one of the main people that made the subject real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and I, I've enjoyed being part of it. And they're working on a new film about Ron Moorhead and the Sierra Sounds, which huh. is a oh, whole excellent. Oh, I, I love that. Uh, that I love those sounds. That right now. So it's another, and, and, their next film is Ron Moorhead. And of course, you know, Simeon, that Ron Moorhead started out thinking this was a, a flesh and blood creature. And he captured those amazing sounds. And then all this, I mean, they had batteries drained, strange yeah. lights in the woods and so forth. I, I've been able to see him speak. And he, he wrote the book, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Quantum Bigfoot. Quantum Bigfoot. Thank you. Yes. And he's got a, a new book coming out too. Yeah. And see, Ron, if you, any of you haven't heard of him, just look up Sierra sounds. You will hear what Sasquatch yeah, sound cool. like when they're talking, because I've talked to other people who've been in that area and they said they heard the same sounds in the middle of the night, the squabbling talk. It's like a reverse samurai speech. It's a very rapid <laughs> right. percussive type of speech. Yeah. 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 Uh, and other people have heard it. Ron was able to record it. And the cool thing was I, I interviewed him once on, for my YouTube channel. It's on my YouTube. Mm-hmm said you never would see them. They would try to peek their head out real quick. They had the microphones in the wooden structure yeah. that they built out there. Yes. Right. And they could never see them. You'd quickly look, nothing there. Yeah. Nothing there. Well, they the do. Pick it up. Yeah, they do have so. that uh, supposed capability. So anyway, Jim, thanks for joining us. Come back on real yeah, soon, okay? Thanks. We appreciate it. And let's see now the victims. Okay. Club, I'm going to say goodnight to you, Okay. Oh, you you're talking to me? Yeah, Diga, you talking to me? <laughs> wow. Uh, you're talking to me? <laughs> I woke him up. Yeah, I, well, good night, uh, yep. everyone. I enjoyed tonight's show. We, Thanks uh, for joining us, yes. You did well, and, and uh, Thank so you. I'm very pleased. We made our way through it. Thank you, Club. We'll see you very soon. If any- Bye, Club. Nice to see you. If anything sure changed. take care now. If anything changed with Bye. the Patriots. Y'all, y'all take care. If anything. <laughs> y'all. If anything takes, if if anything uh, changes with the pages, let us know, okay? You'll be the first one to know. Thank you, uh, Alan Aldo, UFO mechanic. Time to sleep. Hey, uh, <laughs> Time to sleep with the bees. Sleep with the bees. Yeah. You know, okay. I got an so, apple pie staring me in the face. I'm going. Really? I'm yeah. Going to, oh man. We should call Dave and say we're not coming. Hey, Dave, we're not coming. You know, we don't need. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, I was looking for those the other day. The table talk little uh, apple pies. Yeah, yeah. No, this is blueberry. You want oh, the blueberry? It's oh, me. Yeah, yeah blueberry. One. Yeah, that's Damn. even better. I used to love those as a kid. Uh, yeah. uh, listen, Susan K. Thank you for joining us, Susan. Okay. Thanks. It was so nice to be here. I just was a nice surprise. You made really? my day. No. Love you guys. Oh, Thanks please. for having me. Well, we love you too. Thank you very much. Look at look at Club, look at Club rubbing in there with a the Duncan. Come on, look at him. I'm all excited now. <laughs> Make it a dance. 
Thank show, you. you know, it, it works up quite an appetite yeah, for the show, yeah. as you know. I, I'm in the back room eyeing one of uh, Pistol Pete's cans of SpaghettiOs. That's how hungry I am. I might actually. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but I'd have you to kidding? bring yeah, Chef Boyardee. That used to be my favorite. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me I like too. that. Yeah, yeah. I got to make sure I replace I like the ravioli. I like it more than the beefaroni. I yeah. like the, the yeah. ravioli. I, 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 first I'm, class. Yeah, I've been yeah. around that corner uh, many, many times. Uh, thank you uh, very much for joining us. Club, we appreciate it. Uh, Switchy. Did I already say goodnight to you? No, but uh, it was my pleasure to be here, Nick. Okay, all right. Let's guess what kind of a hairdo we'll have next week. Okay. Will the pot re reappear? No, it's no. going to be, Mac, it's going to be exactly the same, only slightly longer. Uh, okay, that's what she said. Oh, good. One week's you're gonna worth. Turn it you're going to turn it around? Is that what it is? <laughs> Isn't that how it goes? Around. You have to kind of rotate, like to rotate your tires on the car? Yeah, do you rotate it, you right. know, when... To dry it, like to do you dry, dry it. it on your head, or do you take it off and put it on a like a head, you know, a, a little pedestal, spin it around. One of those styrofoam heads. That's it, yeah. one of those heads. Yes, yes. <laughs> Switch has four of them with different. Remember Kyle Reiner and Van Dyke? Yes, that one Van Dyke. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. He has like five of those styrofoam heads, just the different wigs in each one. <laughs> like for his mood of the day, man, that was a funny freaking show. Jesus, very funny. Uh, also, uh, Wonwon, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, Wani. You're welcome. Pleasure to be here. Fish and the chips. My, yeah. is, uh, you know, my, my favorite place to be. Yeah, yeah. I still. So, uh, all right. We'll be in touch, okay? Yep. I'll talk to you soon. And I will talk to you uh, very soon, Wani. Thank you. I want to thank everyone for listening to us. Let me do the plugs. Homestrat Troops is a military organization that raises troops. Uh, raises funds for uh, troops that were wounded in post-9-11 action. That's the war in Iraq and in Afghanistan. Uh, these people have come home missing limbs and so on, and Homestar Troops builds them homes that um, are better suited to their needs. That means not a lot of stairs, lower counter space, stuff like that. And then when the home is completed, they uh, tear up the mortgage, they give them the keys. It's their home forever, no cost at all. And these people can go and uh, rejoin the workforce and let's say uh, lead a normal life. Homestar Troops, 90 cents on your charity dollar goes directly to our veterans. Okay, please go on uh, online, Google them, Homestar Troops, see what they're about. And as we say every week, you know, it's very important to remember that John McCain was a war hero. He was also a uh, wounded veteran. And uh, these are the type of people that we look up to. You don't make fun of them, okay? And uh, so this is Mac. For uh, the rest of the gang saying, until you hear us next time, be safe, be happy, and bye-bye. Hey, Mac Maloney fans, this is Pistol Pete, and I'm sitting here with the one and only Mac Maloney. Hi, Mac. Hi, Pete. Now, Mac, you've got a new book out called How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught that you wrote with our pal, famous crime novelist, Mark Zapula. How did this whole thing come about? Well, Mark and I have this uh, mutual friend that we would go out uh, having beers with every once in a while, and he had the same 20 stories that he would tell us kind of over and over again. And at some point, I said, you know, we should write these down. And we did, and it turned into a book. It's such a crazy title. How, how'd you come up with it? Well, kind of the same thing. We're in the bar talking to this uh, friend of ours one night, and he just said, you don't know how to get rid of a body at sea and not get caught. And, of course, we didn't know. And so uh, he told us. And uh, the secret is in the book, but I can say that it involves a lot of chain-link fence and some crabs. 
Now, Mac, you gave me an advanced copy of the book. And like I said before, it's one of the funniest things I've ever read. It reminded me of The Sopranos if The Sopranos had a laugh track. Thanks, Pete. But it also gives you instructions on how to do some pretty shady stuff, stuff not exactly legal. Well, yeah, the book is about the true life adventures of a juvenile delinquent growing up in Boston in the late 1980s. So you get a lot of the inside stuff like the best way to steal a car, the best way to burn a car, how to make fake IDs, things like that. But in one chapter, you actually tell people how to turn an old broken down Toyota into a brand new Rolls Royce in five easy steps, and it actually works. Uh, yeah, I know it sounds crazy. I didn't believe it until I saw the proof, but yes, it actually works. Now, one last question. There's a lot of laughs in the book, but also a lot of pretty crazy stuff, legal and illegal. Is it really all true? It's really all true, but um, on the advice of a publisher, they've asked us not to say anything beyond that for legal reasons. But yes, it is all true. Well, thanks, Mac. That's How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught, the Al Ferrari story by Mac and crime writer Mark Zapula. Get it today on Amazon.